Hi, everybody in podcast land and also on YouTube. I'm James. I'm David. I'm Riley. And this is the Carpal <laughs> Critics Movie Podcast, where today we are finally wrapping up our coverage of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah, oh, it's just right. getting started. The original what? trilogy. The Hobbit. No. <laughs> Anyways. We might do The Hobbit. Oh, by the way, if you're part of our convoy, the people who watch the movies before our podcast and follow along every week, we love you. And next week, we are going to be doing The Silence of the Lambs <laughs> with special guest Sarah. Yeah, it's another Sarah episode, baby. She's back with fava beans. <laughs> She's pickle Rick. Now, <laughs> for Lord of the Rings, I've ever seen. guys, if you haven't seen these movies by now, by now, like, what are you doing with your life? I had someone on Twitter be like, "Hey, be considerate." I like did a, a spoiler. Reconsiderate? Yeah, I, I did a spoiler. I'm like, "Hey, is this a spoiler for no. Lord of the Rings?" And I was like, "Someone was like, hey, this is a 17 year old movie." And I'm like, "And a 60 year old book." <laughs> and they're like, "Well, just be considerate, okay?" No. Like, listen, no. listen. I I totally <laughs> see that. I hate spoilers. Okay, I hate spoilers. But that's why when something has come out and I don't want it spoiled, I don't go on social media when it's just released. No. This is, you've Dude, had 17 years. At this point, it's not even about social media. On your Android phone, you swipe left to go to your newsfeed, and it's just like, yeah, why is blank blank yeah. dead in WandaVision? You're like, what? Mandalorian. The Mandalorian season finale was yeah, spoiled for me just because totally. of a notification popped up on yeah. my phone, and I looked at it, and it's like, oh, there it is. Well, and like, wow. main yeah. players were spoiling it on Twitter, like, days after it happened. I was so mad. I know. Well, Not, but not that it would have mattered. Twitter, you know, Twitter, Twitter's volatile. It's true. But, but, but that's, that's just fair. not fair when, like, the bleeding dick of spoilers inserts itself into your <laughs> into your eyesight like it's uh, hello Ew, gross Anyways, imagery spoiler alert <laughs> yeah. what's up today? all that to say spoiler alert don't get, don't be mad watch the movies we're talking about lord of the rings return of the king david what are you giving this movie out of 10 Rewatching return of the king for the upteenth time taught me three things one i would do anything for samwise gamgee <laughs> two tomatoes are the most disgusting fruit whoa and three that even the most epic of conclusions can have real heart Looks like feelings are back on the menu, boys. <laughs> 9.1 out of 10. Oh, wow. The thing with Sam is he would do anything for you. That's, and yeah. that's why you do anything for him. Anything. Oh, for my pure gosh. Soul. Okay. So I have a very simple slogan because, guys, this is, going to be, this is going to be emotional. My slogan is, the crowning achievement of cinema in my lifetime. And I'm giving it a 10 out of 10. Holy shit. Because, because it's like... After I finished this rewatch of the movie, I, I, first of all, I was bawling for the last, like, I don't know, 45 minutes. It was just like, there were so many points where I've ju it just like hit me right in the feels. And so I don't know if I can give, I obviously can't give this movie a, uh, I can't attempt to give it an objective rating. Sure. So I'm giving it a 10 out of 10 and that 10 out of 10 kind of retroactively applies to the whole franchise. Oh, wow. Lord sure. of the Rings trilogy. because it's the best movie franchise. Because this is... I can't think of any other sequence of movies that did things as perfectly as these guys did it. And uh, yeah, I just want to acknowledge that. Okay. Wow. Okay. So you watched the theatrical cut, hey? I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wait, no, that's a very important point. And we'll get into that. I think if I watched the extended cuts, th this would not be the case. I did watch the extended cuts, and here's my slogan. Return of the King is a too-long bro-fest with a few parts that really didn't age well. Better than Two Towers, but worse than Fellowship. Nine out of ten. Yeah. Wow. Don't come at me, guys. Nine out of ten. It's no, so no, no, no. Nine, nine out of ten. Honestly, honestly, and this is why I think when when we go to do these podcasts, I'm like, I'm not watching the extended edition because I, I I want that experience. You know, it's like if I'm going to watch it on my own and I'm like gonna be a nerd and like delve into the lore and stuff. Like, yeah, I want all those like extra scenes. Uh, I still I've said it from the beginning. I don't want all those extra scenes. I want right. the some of them are like 
There's so like sick. a there's like a mid extended cut that would be perfect for you. Yeah, yeah. There is Middle Earth. All right, let's get more into that right after this message from our sponsor, Private Internet Access VPN. PIA helps you hide your true IP address so that you can bypass geo restrictions and censorship. You know, in this crazy world, Just do it. you can connect up to 10 devices at once, and it includes an internet kill switch. That's Mount Doom. Okay, if your VPN gets disconnected involuntarily, PIA is available for Windows, Mac, Android, iOS, and even has a goddamn Chrome extension in the Lothlorien forest. <laughs> Rohirrim! Check it out at lmg.gg slash carpoolcritics. <laughs> oh, Theolingas! Rip headphone users. That's our only sponsor today, guys. Wanna, so can I we just move right in? Yeah. I no, give a shout out to epic <laughs> openings that all three of these movies have. I think they did an amazing job taking stuff out of context of the book and then making it work as an intro to a movie. Uh, I actually hate the intro to this one, but really? we'll talk about that I, I right also, after. I also hate it. Right after this <gasps> uh, synopsis. Oh, synopsis. Oh, okay, yeah. Right. Forgot about that. Following their victory at Helm's Deep, Gandalf, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli retrieve Merry and Pippin from the now-flooded Isengard and return to Edoras to celebrate. Pippin looks into Sauron's captured Palantir, classic fool of a took, leading Gandalf to discover that Sauron will soon attack Gondor's capital, Minas Tirith. Gandalf rides there with Pippin to warn them. Meanwhile, on the way into Mordor, Gollum convinces Frodo that Sam is stealing their food. Believing that Sam desires the ring, Frodo tells him to go home and continues onward with Gollum into the lair of the giant spider, Shelob. Frodo escapes and knocks Gollum into a chasm before suddenly being paralyzed by Shelob just as Sam shows up because he's awesome. He came back. Wielding Sting and the light of Erendil, Sam drives Shelob away but hides as orcs arrive and take Frodo. Sam eventually follows and discovers that two orc factions have mostly killed each other off, allowing him to rescue Frodo, and the two continue their journey. Meanwhile, as King Theoden gathers the Rohirrim, Elrond meets Aragorn to give him Anduril, the reforged sword of his ancestor, Elendil. Using the sword, Aragorn recruits an army of dead men cursed to linger on after they broke an oath they swore to Gondor. When Gondor's steward Denethor succumbs to madness over the thought that his two sons may be dead, Gandalf is left to defend the city against Mordor's orc army now surrounding Minas Tirith. Just as all hope seems lost, the Rohirrim arrive, turning the tide of battle. Theoden dies, Eowyn kills the Witch King because she's no man, and Aragorn shows up with the dead guys and cleans up the scraps. But Frodo and Sam must succeed, so Aragorn leads the forces of men to Mordor's Black Gate to draw Sauron's attention. Frodo and Sam reach Mount Doom, but Frodo cannot bring himself to throw the ring into the fire. But it doesn't matter because they've attacked by Gollum, who topples over the edge with the ring anyway. Sauron and Mount Doom explode. The hobbits are rescued by Deus Ex Eagles. <laughs> Aragorn is crowned King of Gondor, and the hobbits return home. But Frodo is traumatized and departs with Bilbo, Gandalf, and the last of the elves for the Undying Lands, leaving Sam with Bilbo's books. The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, which is like a weird. I thought I always think that's weird how like the 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 books of these movies exist in the. I story. think they're act, isn't it actually called the Red Book of Westmarch? Yeah, or something yeah. Like that? It's, well, it's called that, but like together, it's like The Hobbit by Bilbo Baggins and The Lord of the Rings by Frodo Baggins. Is he talking about himself? Yeah. <laughs> there and back again. Frodo was so scared. Ooh. <laughs> I'm the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Frodo. Sam said really this, good. and it made Frodo feel weird. Yeah. <laughs> He's just talking in third person. <laughs> Little did he know, he had an erection the whole time. <laughs> a bad start. What do you guys want to talk about first? Well, I want to talk about that opening. You guys yeah, don't like yeah, it. Yeah, let's talk about the opening. See, I think it does a good job, because that was supposed to be in the second movie. That was supposed to be like a flashback sequence. And I think it works better here, where like it just is the start of the movie, and then you get right into Gollum stuff. Uh, and I think there's some stuff in that sequence that isn't great. Like at the transition to the CGI's always is like, oh. Okay, See, so I like the choice. 
to put it there. That I don't like the execution. Oh, okay. So I, for okay, I think that the it's really like vaudeville, like over the top. Mm. It's kind of a tone thing for me. Yeah. Mm. The their faces and their reactions is really physical comedy, particularly the actor, not Andy Circus, but the other guy. Who plays? Deagle. Yeah. <laughs> you got your Smeagles, your Deagles, your Beagles. <laughs> your Kegels. Don't forget your Kegels. And, uh, <laughs> your Deus Ex Eagles. <laughs> so that guy is really, uh, I don't know, it's a fine line. Like when when you have like Boromir, Sean Bean, or you have Andy Circus Gollum looking at the ring and like all the nuance that flashes over their face mm-hmm. and you're just acting, ju- your face reacting is the whole scene. They pull it off and then this guy doesn't. He's just not mm. a good actor in my mind. That's totally fair. But even before that, when they're just in the bo- boat and then he's like catching the fish, he's just like, oh, oh, I got a fish. And it's like, it's just ridiculous. See, and then Smeagol speaks and his voice is like, <laughs> and you're just like, what? Well, when yeah. you're a human, your voice was like that? Yeah. Well, he wasn't human. He was like a basically hob- a, a hobbit or whatever, but or a hobbit-like creature. Yeah. It's it's just like okay, I guess we need to hear his voice in a way that's familiar to how he speaks the rest of the trilogy. Yeah. Mm. But it just seemed a little wacky. And I thought it was. I a, see, know. I feel like I feel the opposite way, where I I kind of like the execution, but I wish they didn't include it. Like mm. I I thought the scene was okay. I mean, the, there was some overacting, but you know, like there's there's overacting in this movie sometimes. Although most of the time you don't notice it, it's fine. But but yeah, I, I thought that the scene was okay, but. I feel like maybe if this was in the second one, I thought it was just like awkward to start because like this movie isn't about Gollum a lot. It is. It is. Gollum Gollum is like much more of a secondary character in this movie than he is in the two towers. In the two towers, we go through this whole journey with him where we discover that he has these two personalities Mm. and he's like battling internally about whether he should like be loyal to the hobbits or not. And so, like, it would make more sense to me to have that characterization be a part of the f- the second movie instead of, like, slapping it onto the first movie. See, why I think it works in this, this one, one is that uh, in the second movie, he starts as a monster and ends kind of as a person. You get this journey of him to this. And in this movie, it's the opposite. It's he, he's going to be a bad guy. So you have to have something that, yeah. like, makes him more human. Exactly. This frames him, right? Yeah. You're like, hey, remember Gollum who you started to like? He's a bad guy. Don't yeah. forget. And then it gives a sweet, seamless transition into... It, well, it goes right into Sam and Frodo. I guess and I them. would, I would yeah. agree with that if the two towers didn't end so strongly on Gollum being like a bad guy. That's true. Like he 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 goes through that struggle. Yeah. But he doesn't progress. He stays. He ends the movie right off. I guess. I, I guess though, if you were counting on people watching these movies in a row, that's totally fine. You could get rid of that scene. But I think when there's a year in between, you yeah, kind of need to refresh. Well, you can't yeah. have an origin story unless you kind of know the person first. It's not as right. interesting. Yeah. If you just showed their arc like chronologically, mm. it's not as impactful as like we know a bit about him. Oh, now we. We've yeah. heard of this yeah. history. Now we get to actually see it. Totally. It frames us to go right into Mordor after that, into the present day. It yeah. just transitions like seamlessly to that. And then Gollum ends up being like the main antagonist for the, that trio in right. in Mordor. So I, I like I, it. I appreciate the argument that like the separation between the the movies of a year, like people coming back into the theater, they kind of like it kind of like eases you back into the world yeah. a little bit. So I'm like, okay, I can see that. But then watching them all back to back. Okay, yeah, I, I have questions later, though. Twenty years later is um, well, actually, first a statement. Uh, when Dregal Daigle goes under the water, the CG is so bad. Yeah. Um, and then the question <laughs> is, uh, is, is any part of that intro flashback extended versus not extended? 
Is it? Uh, do you see it all? I think it's, you see it all because you I get think like it's the whole thing. Yeah, you get the fish going by his head and the whole. <laughs> no, I mean like after that when it shows kind of Smeagol's decline, like it doesn't just end with him looking at the ring and saying, "No, no, no." It goes to like, that would be sweet. Instead, yeah. it goes to his like Smeagol, descent. Yeah. I like that part better than I think the happy times. I, I like, can't get into it though really? because of the makeup. Like it starts off practical, yeah. and in between, Smeagol looks. Brutal, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. haggard. There's like layers and layers. Of like there's pancakes glued to his yeah. face. The makeup is so thick. And I think it's especially it's especially like weird because all of the rest of the makeup and special effects in these movies are so good. Oh, so interesting to me. To me, it, it didn't read as like poorly applied. It applied as he's fucking ugly. I tried. Like I, every time I've seen huh. this scene, I'm like that looks like that looks like a guy wearing a weird thing on his face. But this time, I'm kind of like, all right, wait, let's like. Just forget about it for a second and just like try to imagine that this is actually a hobbit that's slowly turning into Gollum. And I kind of got there, but I still couldn't. That's fair. Yeah, but did you watch it in 4K? Because, you know, when you watch like it's something in 4K, you can kind of just see the makeup that's if true. you tune into no, it. No, I, I watched the old version. I didn't watch the 4K remaster. Yeah, that's not good. I mean, I'm not complaining about all of it. Like the very extreme close up on the, his gross mouth biting into that fish. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. It's bad. It's so, like, what? It's, it's great. Yeah. It's oh, disgusting. Yeah, yeah. disgusting. It's repulsive. It, yeah. They did a great job of that. It's only when it, he's like climbing into the caves to escape the sun. Yeah. That scene is really. Like, I don't like it. And uh, when it he transitions from practical to CG, I don't know if his eyes get farther apart, but they morph him at the end. Well, yeah, they close and then they open. And then instead of having normal human eyes, they're the giant golem eyes. Right, right. Yeah, that, I think that's a bad... Yeah, that, that's think, just a bad choice because that's never yeah. going to be good. Well, I think it's hard because, like, I think it's just the, the whatever trigger that happens in the Uncanny Valley is kind of going off. Because you're like, he's kind of human, kind of not. Like, he's too close to, yeah. to, to human that it... Yeah, just I, I do get it. Yeah, the, that must be a bit of it because when we see Gollum, we're like, that's definitely not yeah, a real human, Gollum. so totally. we can accept it. Yeah. I actually want to segue from here to one of the first interactions that sets up the arc, what's going to happen between Frodo and Sam and Gollum in this, because I had some questions about it. I'm talking about the scene where uh, basically it's like Gollum gets closer to Frodo and Frodo and Sam gets alienated by Frodo in this in this movie, right? Mm, right. And I just don't know if I really buy it. So even before Gollum throws the Lembus bread off the cliff, uh, the first conflict is that Sam wakes up and hears Gollum's plan because like, Gollum's talking to himself and his mm -hmm. multiple personalities. Right. And he hears him plotting. So then he attacks him, which wakes up Frodo. And then they um, it resolves where, where Frodo tells Sam, look, Sam, like, I'm on your side. I love you, Sam. But then he like literally holds hands with Gollum and is saying, we need a guide. We're keeping Gollum around. Well, he holds hands with them after the Lembus bread incident. I don't think he holds hands with them after or after the uh, like Gollum talking to himself in the pool type thing. Okay. Oh, I might be wrong, but I don't think I am. But it doesn't matter. hold hands eventually. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the point is like, it's. I just don't know because at the beginning, I'm kind of like, when when Frodo is saying, "I believe in you, Sam. I believe you." Yeah. Um, is he like winking at Sam, kind of saying? Yeah, like I know this guy is going to manipulate us and attack us. I I know that's what's going on. I'm yeah. just not saying that out loud because I'm manipulating Smeagol and mm. I want mm. like I I want to keep him around while he's useful. Uh. But then it kind of turns out later on that it doesn't seem like that's what's well, happening at all. So that Frodo is just being manipulated. The way that I would the way that I thought about it was the fact what was that um Frodo knows the whole time that Gollum's kind of like he has an ulterior motive. He knows that he wants the ring and this whole, like this, this relationship that they all have is a relationship of convenience here where they're like, we, we just, we need things from each other. So we're just like going along for the time being. So I think that like 
Frodo waking up, seeing Sam like beating up Gollum or whatever because he says that he's gonna murder us or whatever. He's like, that's nothing new, you know. It's like that's like standard. That's that's been the standard <laughs> yeah, this whole yeah, time. Yeah. So I think that Sam heard that information, and so he's like, ah, I have actual evidence yeah. that he's not changed and he is going to try and kill us. But Frodo hasn't heard that, so for him, it's just this, it's this, it's business as usual. Oh, it's know? interesting because it's like a conflict that is going to happen eventually because they don't it's not mutually beneficial it's like they they don't each have something that the other wants well they do it's just that i frodo will never give him the ring it's like Gollum, you're never gonna get the thing you want yeah yeah. i guess you just want to be like near it and have a chance at killing me right so i'll keep you near i think the way that Gollum plays it off is that you are the ring bearer and my attachment to the ring means that you're my means that i'm loyal to you you're my master so that's how Gollum is playing it off kind of like a cuck position (laughs) to take yeah, yeah. Shout out to ben he's just missing a, a collar and a leash, and then it's going to get weird, you know? He yeah. does have a leash in the th- second Oh, movie. he does. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the elven rope. I just want to say, also, if anyone was turned off by my usage of that word, I agree with you. I think that's the grossest word. I don't what? want to say it again. It's the C-U-K word. I think it's the worst C C-U-C-K. word. C-U-C-K. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's well, that's right. probably why you don't like it. You missed a C. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I want to. I want to talk a little bit about the sense of desperation in this movie, staying kind of at the beginning, sort of where we 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 come in with Frodo and Sam, and they like things seem bleak. You know, like Sam is that scene where Sam is rationing out the the Limbus bread and trying to figure out whether they have enough for the journey home, and then the audience, you know, we kind of see this reaction on on Frodo's face and this realization that he's like, oh my gosh, Sam, you are an idiot, or <laughs> not an idiot, but he's like. Yeah. Naive. Oh, you have yet to confront the reality that we're not going, going home. Back. And that's kind of like his arc, too, because later on, he says, we're not going back. Right, There's right. no going oh, home. Oh, yeah, later, yeah, and then later Sam discovers that as well. And I think that, like, there are various points in this movie that, like, things feel bleak. Like, in mm. in the previous movies, you know, they're getting attacked by orcs or whatever. Like, there there are stakes. Things seem dangerous. But there isn't the sense that, like, we could actually lose and I think that this movie is is just uh, infused with so many moments where you're just like, if you haven't seen the movie yet, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're if you're looking at it from like a from like a you know beyond the fourth wall type of perspective, you're like they're probably gonna win. But if you're just like fully embedded in the movie and immersed, the movie makes it easy for you to believe that things are as dire as they could be and things are bad. And how much does Mordor suck? I like that it is 180 degrees from the hyper-real, saturated green, like, Pantanal kind of paradise of the The Shire, Shire. which is just... You know, it is like the it's supposed to be like a like a paradisiacal like archetype of of the West and in England, right? right and then right. now they're in this like razor bait bladed hellscape <laughs> that is always dark. Like when they're when Frodo wakes up and Sam's like, Oh, it's not midday yet. Yeah. Or maybe it's the opposite, Sam wakes up. It's like Dude, you guys are just sleeping until like whatever time because it doesn't matter. It looks the same all the time. <laughs> yeah, and it just yeah, like yeah. smells like sulfur there and it just sucks. I didn't yeah. realize because like there's always the argument of like why didn't they just fly the eagles in? And there's lots of reasons why they <laughs> didn't. Uh, but there's actually like a mystical darkness in uh, in Mordor that oh. keeps things dark. Like it's like actually like a a, a veil so ah. that you can't fly in. So oh, like I thought really, it was like spewing from the volcano. It's probably part part of that, but like that's part of why the eagles can't fly in is that like they just wouldn't see. Oh, I just I thought they didn't really care and they're doing their own thing. No, no, no. It's because like the eye of Sauron would would mm. see and them. And also maybe they get and, shot down or something. Yeah, the our, our orcs are very good archers, even though they're not great in this movie. You know, I thought that was a huge plot hole until just now. Nice job. <laughs> Thanks, David. Wow, it's an 11 out of 10 for me now. Hell yeah. <laughs> See, I think this is actually my my least favorite movie, and I think I, I kind of disagree with you on the sense of desperation. I think 
Really? Two Towers has the the moment of the battle in Helm's Deep, and that feels like this might be a battle that we lose. Mm. Whereas here, I feel like outs. I think you're right. Like the the Lembus bread scene is a good scene when they kick Sam away. You're like, oh, this is really bad. Yeah. But in terms of the like, epic battles, like the Aragorn stuff, it never feels as like as as dire. dire. Yeah, especially oh, really? for Aragorn. Uh, I find all, all the stuff around him kind of sucks. I mean, not no. That's way too strong of a word. Aragorn doesn't really fight that much in this movie. Uh, he shows up with like it's not a Deus Ex Machina because it's built up and he yeah. spends a long time getting it and it doesn't end the movie. But like he just shows up with this totally Imba army yeah. of ghosts who just like and man, why did you release the... them from their oath so early? Well, that's <laughs> why that's why Gimli says that line is that Peter Jackson knew that the audience would be like, oh, uh, why not just use them for the next battle? All the way to the volcano, guys. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was a little bit weird. Um, but I, yeah, I find like the that moment. The first time I watched the movie, I remember very specifically being like, this is pretty sick when he like jumps off the boat and they laugh at him and then all the army comes out. But now I'm just like, it's not nearly as good as Helm's Deep. Like uh, of the well, Rohirrim cu- crest I mean, in the I hill. Think, I think I would probably agree with you that um, like in terms of Aragorn, things are kind of not so interesting because he they, they barely do anything in yeah, this his movie. His arc's I mean, complete Two already. Two Towers is like a action movie with Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli just like kicking ass at different points. And in this one, you know... They go get the army of the dead, and from then on, it's like there's some battle sequences. Legolas takes down a an elephant with goofy CGI, just like. In, <laughs> Wait, I want to talk about that, but can we just pause? Because David actually highlighted something that was very particular, that was oh. interesting. Uh, the way that you compared um, Aragorn showing up with the ghost army, mm-hmm. you compared it to the the mounted right cavalry showing up uh, in the morning when Gandalf arrives, yeah. right? Uh, that comparison I heard in a lecture series from uh, sci-fi high fantasy author uh, Brandon Sanderson. Mm. He specifically gave that same example, huh. and he what he um, was the framing he was giving was why is it that every time Gandalf shows up on that fifth day or the morning of the third day or whatever it is, I like cry and I love that moment. But when Aragorn shows up with his ghost army, I don't really care. Mm. Yeah. What is the difference? And the difference that. His explanation was that it's because you were told earlier in the movie in Two Towers, yeah. look for me on the third day, I'm going to be there. Yeah. And then you get to this extreme low point, yeah. and then the promise is delivered. Yeah, and, right. then, and that's when they show up. Whereas no one really knows what Aragorn's going to do. And then he, he does show up and kicks ass, but... Yeah. I don't know. We're just not well, expecting it, well, right? Some kind of expectations delivery yeah. kind of thing just changes psychologically where we totally. don't care as much. Well, and like I think that one of the things that the, the, this whole series does really well is it's it makes each beat in a battle very clear what's happening and what's changing due to the thing that just happened. So like when people show up at a battle, you understand, okay, this is going to change the title battle this way. Oh, the elephant just showed up. It's going to change the battle this way. But I find that that one feels so separate from what the rest of the battle is going on where it's just like, okay, yeah, he's kind of at the back and like he's going to start storming them and like, okay, yeah, sure. But it doesn't feel like it's it's changing it. And then on top of that, we already talked, we talked about it last time where uh, at that moment of the Rohirrim coming, that's like at, after like eleven negative beats, and then it's like eleven positive beats. This You're one, I was talking about in two towers. In two towers, yeah. and then in this, I was noticing it's like a little bit up and down. And like, there's some victories right before that happens. Like you have uh, A R Aowen starting to kind of have her like rise back up, and so it's like it's part of the rise back up, but it's not. Right. It's not a singular. It's not a singular like, swing like, of we're the tide. Totally turning this. It's also to, imagery well, wise. It's not like there's no like um tiny like eight year old boy singing. <laughs> like choir like oh, like coming with the, this you know, light yeah, and yeah. shining a light on the darkness it's yeah. just not the same okay so I gotta push back on this a little bit so, so I don't know how much stuff they added for like the battle sequences like uh, the Minas Tirith battle um, in the extended version or whatever but like I remember that uh, the trolls just broke through the gate 
Mm-hmm. And so like that's a huge moment of desperation because you know, they start attacking the city, the towers are crumbling, you know, people are getting crushed by rubble and stuff and they think that they're doing okay, but then the orcs kind of bring in Grand, the big yeah. ram, and they break through the gate and you have and you think that orcs are going to come through but yeah. no it's freaking armored trolls and it's like what what can we do against these guys yeah. they completely get trashed they get yeah. Uh, they have to retreat back to the second level. Yeah, and at and, that moment you see townspeople. You, you see women like holding babies yeah, who are yeah. crying. And Pippin is in there like crying, like screaming, like well, he's not screaming, but he's he's looking around at people screaming and being like, "This is freaking all but, hope is lost." But that's when the Rohirrim show up, yes, right? And yeah. that's like thirty beats before Aragorn shows up. I, like, there's a whole yeah. other battle sequence that happens, and like, I I think that's a better moment when King Theoden ru- like oh dude rides his horse ahead, ahead, no, ahead of them and like hits their spears. Honestly, what, the, I, that's sick. I'm placing so little importance on the Aragorn thing. Like, I, I I agree with you that that's a weakness that Aragorn is one of the main characters for us in this franchise, mm-hmm. and he sh- his big moment of showing up is kind of like ah, it's mostly one already. Seems yeah, like. Yeah. Um, so that's a big weakness, 100%. But I, I to me, I had um, experienced such uh, emotional highs from the Rohirrim showing up and like Theoden's, he's just like, yeah, a sword day, a red day, ere the sun rises, ride now for ruin and the world's ending. And then he just like screams death three times. Yeah. Fourth yeah. air lingas. And I'm just, I'm just like crying yeah, at this point, good. man. That, and I think that that moment is just so beautiful because I felt the desperation from the previous scene, you know, like ignore yep. Aragorn coming in with the dead people for a second because I felt such desperation from this battle. And you have riders uh, uh, rushing headlong towards what is certainly their death because it's the right thing to do. I love that. It's, and it's so greater good. than themselves, it, right? Yeah. It's a really it's, World War One and Two vibe. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And and you see the faces of the orcs. The the orc captain before in the earlier in the movie he talks about fear and how fear is the way to 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 do or whatever. I forget exactly what he says, but he talks about fear. And then as the Rohirrim are rushing towards towards them the orcs kind of go from confidence being like yeah we got these guys the age of men is over it's the age of the orc and you see it in their faces turn from confidence to fear and it's just such a great moment i agree and like it's hard just scaling up like uh we've i praised two towers for how it scales up this Mm -hmm. and i think this one it gets a little too out of hand just slightly Mm -hmm. and i think like there's a bit of an over-reliance on cg in the fights uh and then i think like the fight just like the whole stakes of each part of it become a little unclear uh where you're like okay there's they broke they breached the gate there's the rohim here there's aragorn over there mm. and you're like well we've been we spent 20 minutes with these people over here what's happening actually at the gates like have they backed off have they done this right. and like it doesn't matter because like in the scale of the battle it doesn't matter the rohim and aragorn are going to win the fight but in terms of well, like an emotional shows- investment you're just like oh like okay i think it shows pretty clearly that the rohim like route the whole army basically like they they the orcs are gone after that, and then it, they're basically just fighting um, the Oliphants after they come. So it's like the Rohirrim kill the, get get the orcs out of there, and they're like, "Sweet, we won!" But then it's like brings you back down again because it's like, "Oh shit, the Oliphants are here, yeah. the Hid Haridrim." And so then that is another moment of desperation where we're like, "Oh geez, the Rohirrim just sh- saved the day, but are the Rohirrim going to be knocked out by these freaking Oliphants now?" Yeah. Can we talk about Eowyn? Sure. <laughs> like, uh, you were talking... She's adjacent to this yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah, sort of. We, we rewind a bit. She but starts <laughs> kicking ass. And I uh, I remember, as a child, I did see, like, the 1978's animated Lord of the Rings. Have you guys seen it? Yeah. Oh, I saw some of it. I and, mean, yeah. and I remember... I remember reading the book, even though I read that as a child. I remember she pulls off her helmet, 
And she just says, I'm no man. And then she chops the guy's head yeah. off. I knew at least those beats. And then when it happened in this movie, I remember being in the theater as a teenager and being disappointed with that scene. Really? And I'm still to this day disappointed huh, by really? it. Yes. I think it's so sick. I, no. I feel it. Uh, I, I, I feel like that's a good moment of desperation. Uh, totally. I think like the fight choreography could be a little bit better, like how she well, kind of wins I it. Think but. I, yeah, I agree. I don't like the choreography uh, that much. And, but I think the bigger problem is that I don't believe that she can do it. Do be- what? Kick any ass. Well, we hey, haven't wait. really seen her doing it. Hold anything. on. Does she fight anyone except the Witch King? Well, yeah, she fights her way up to it. She she kicks a lot of ass in the battle against normal orcs. I believe that. Okay, it, so I didn't really see. I mean, she she's part of the charge in the non-extended version. I don't. But I don't think that like she's like slicing orcs from her horse or whatever. But I don't think there's really a moment in the non-extended version where she like takes on a bunch of orcs. No. She, uh, in there's, what we saw and what I watched, she is better than all the other sol- soldiers. Oh, like, okay. She's, She's kicking, she's kicking a lot of ass. That's weird. So they they took that out of the theatrical. It's totally unearned, though. Yeah. It's so unearned. Why? Because in the last two movies, all we get is uh, in two towers, she like locks swords with Aragorn, Aragorn in like a ceremonial kind of like mm-hmm. dancing way, uh, and then you've got she doesn't get to fight at all in Helm's Eve. Yeah. She just like and all she says is I want to fight. I have a warrior spirit. I would love to fight. And then. Aomer, her, her brother, tells her in this movie, you know nothing of war, so like you're inexperienced. So basically she just wants to fight but never really has. Then she finally gets to war and she kicks total ass. Well, okay, I, I feel like if you're looking at it as like her being proficient in battle is the arc, then that makes sense to me. But I think that the indication that we get in Two Towers is that she has trained, that she knows how to wield a sword, you know? She can fight. But training is so different from war. Well, sure, but I guess that. But the 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 arc for me isn't that. It's it's her struggling to be a part of it. So like, uh, for me, she fulfills her arc because she goes from being this woman in the court or whatever, and like people are telling her that she can't do uh, what she wants to do. Aragorn's like gives her a little bit of validation, and that kind of like gives her some spirit. And uh, when the Rohirrim ride off. Even though her father just told her to stay where you are, she's like, no, no. I'm doing it. She suits up. She grabs Mary, who also had Wait, the same Theoden problem. isn't her uncle? Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry, yeah, anyway. Um, she, she grabs Mary, who had the same issue, and they both ride into battle to protect their friends, which is a so thing good. that they really wanted to do. And for me, it wasn't like, oh, how is she fighting? She doesn't. We've never seen ah, her fight. We don't know she okay. can fight. But it's I, like, I, I just assume you? that she had skills. Sure, but then they should just participate in some small way, like taking down, like the Star Wars equivalent of like taking down an ATAT or something like that. Well, but like I, take I, down an Oliphant, and it's like, cool. Look at they're battling and they're making a difference. But taking well, down the freaking sub boss, the yeah. Witch King, the guy who just like looked at Gandalf and blew up his staff. Yeah. Which I guess you didn't see in the theatrical version. I did. I mean, I've seen that, but yeah, yeah it's like, not in the theatrical. The most powerful thing ever she just like beheads this nazgul and then stabs this guy in the face it's like it is a bit okay it definitely seems a bit strange that he should be able to be killed so easily here's what i need i need her in the two towers in helm's deep to kick some ass yeah. i need her to kill slay someone yeah the wargs attack in the, the previous movie to, to if you look us? at the trailer of two towers there's a trailer where she draws a sword against an orc it's not does not appear in either film Oh, interesting. I needed that. So, but why do you need that? Because so you because can... then I, it's demonstrated that she is competent. It's not just heart. Okay, it's I also guess, skill. But I guess, uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just, 
I, I felt I thought that she was competent from the get-go. I just don't believe it because she, her she's whole, training. But her whole thing is whiny. Her whole demeanor is whininess, being like, I love him, but he's not here. Dude, I, I want to fight, but I cannot. I think that's just your like male. No, it's not because dude. in the nineteen seventies <laughs> one, she's she's more badass. She has a more powerful voice. And you can watch on YouTube. Hey. You can click onto YouTube, type in Aowen kills yeah. Witch King. You can watch that sequence from the cartoon, and she's way more badass, man. She pulls her helmet off and her hair flows, and she's like, I am no man. And she goes down. It's like fucking the same thing. She slashes him across the face. His head explodes. This I is, wonder like, if this it's is where the rewrites, though, because like oh, originally when it was a condensed movie, it was going to be Arwen is basically Aowen and Arwen combined, and it was going to be Arwen that did that. Uh, oh, and so when they returned it to as it should be three movies, then they put it back to Aowen. That would have been But wild. I wonder if there's just like something was lost in like the compressing, I, decompressing. I, I will agree with you. are trying to get too many things out of one character. I will agree with you that it would have been cooler to have that, but I don't think that um, the movie necessarily suffers because it's not there because I felt that she, I felt that the movie tells you that she's confident because she's training and she disarms Aragorn. So it's like, it's like a moment where it's like, Hey, she's not just a girl. She knows how to fight. So it's like I don't need to see her fighting to know that because they've told us already. But, I'm but fair enough, is, it would be cool. This you guys are too on, small of a sticking point. If, if, you, if anyone's on the fence, go to YouTube, okay, watch but, the cartoon. Yeah, yeah, you'll yeah. be like, wow. Yeah, yeah, okay, I can so agree with that. The actual scene itself, we've talked before about how the like I'm no man thing is pretty cheesy. I love it. I love it also. Yeah. I love that this this story from like what what was when was it written? Sixties. Yep. Or it was no, way earlier than that. No, it was huh? published in 56. Yeah, 50, 50, 60s? Yeah, 56, I think. 5,060? 54? 54. Of, uh, this story from like way back when like these, you know, gender stereotypes were like super strong uh, has this like basically feminist subplot. I also like how it's like a, it's a fantasy loophole. Like, because yeah. in, the car- in the cartoon one, the dialogue is much closer to the book. They're speaking like the book a lot more. It's not as modernized. Yeah. And the witch king says something, don't you know the prophecy? I cannot be killed by any living man. Yeah. And yeah. then, so it's like, haha, well, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I ain't a man. He's like, no! <laughs> Dems the rules. Well, and I like, too, that, like, she doesn't win just because she has good heart. She wins because she brought Mary. Yes. And he's able to get like the blow that totally that gets him stumbled so that she's able to finally do it. And like yeah. that that all works. Don't that, sleep that on works. short kings. You know? Yeah. <laughs> sleep well king. I don't know what the expression is. Um and I also one more thing about that. I just thought that that is the completion of her arc where she defeats the witch king. Theoden sees her do that, and she gets that validation from him. And so then she's like, ah, I'm validated. I am a warrior. But then it gets weird and it the movie just acts like she's dead for a bit. And I was like, wait, is she dead? I mean, that's her. That's the end of her arc. It we could don't be really like a cutting thing with the extended and not. She starts Maybe. dating Faramir. That's all good. No, but like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> no. there's a part where they go and, and they're like looking for her body or something like what? that. Or they're trying to get her to like the resuscitator. I'm like, wait, when did she, it show that she died? Like, she oh, has. when Aylmer goes and like cries over her? Yeah. yeah I'm yeah, like, yeah. why is he crying over her? We didn't see her like get, fall down and yeah. be like, oh, I'm really tired. I need oh, to rest. That is, yeah, that's we didn't see her get scene. struck down. We see nothing. Yeah, she yeah. Just, well, she, we saw her. Her arm gets broken. But that's not it. That's not. That's not enough in a movie to be like. Yeah. Putting you out. She no, just I kind of disappears, that, yeah. and then I'm like, did I miss something? Kind of confusing. I mean, I think that you know the, maybe it took some of her life energy or something. <laughs> I, I found know. that in this movie, the extended scenes uh, are more, kind of they're put back in in a le- in a more sloppy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a few where I'm like. That was a bad cut. The Witch King uh, confrontation confrontation with Gandalf when he 
pretty badass and he puts a sword skyward and like yeah. lights on fire and then he breaks Gandalf's staff. It's like, whoa. But the in and out point from that scene is really unnatural. Same goes for when Aragorn uses the plantier. That's extended, hey? Uh, Aragorn uses the plantier. Yeah, that is. Yeah. That's so weird that you don't get to see that, but I guess it's because what he sees in the plantier is all Arwen stuff and a lot of the Arwen stuff is, is extended. Yeah, why doesn't Sauron see him in the plantier? He does. He... he, he, he Picks up the plant here, okay. and he confronts Sauron, and he holds up the sword, and he's like, "Look oh, who's yeah. back, motherfucker!" <laughs> right, right, right. And it, like his face is so cool, and he's like, "Yeah, return to the king. Bitch. We're coming for you, man." Uh, but then uh, Sauron's like, "That's very cool. Now here's your love dying," and he's like, "Ah!" Oh! And then it, it just kind of cuts out of there. I think it goes right from there to him on yeah. the battlefield. That's so interesting. Did so. About the Eowyn battle, do you guys know that was all reshoots? Because they designed the Witch King wrong and he just looked like Sauron. And oh, really? all the test audiences were like, oh, why is Sauron here? <laughs> really? Uh, and so they had to reshoot it all. They they brought it back and like they made it work. A different uh, helmet? Is that what the problem was? Yeah, they that's what's oh. like now he has the spiky helmet instead of like the That's so funny. Uh, I like the spiky helmet. Did you know that Aragorn actually fought Sauron originally? Er- like they have a fight. In, uh, in what? At the final showdown at the gates. Of but Mor- are you talking about in the book or in, in the, the movie? No, in the movie. Oh, they filmed so they the fight. They filmed the fight with Sauron and Aragorn. So basically, like when he goes and they're going to try and distract Sauron so that Frodo can go, instead of him fighting a troll, he's fighting Sauron. <laughs> and they superimpose the troll on no, top of Sauron. Oh, really? Yeah, they just reuse that footage. And they're like, because like, it kind of makes sense in terms of his arc. Like, this is the final confrontation. He's had that moment where he's talking to him in the Palantir. Like, this is it. This is Aragorn, like, fighting evil. It's like a mirror image to Isildur fighting Sauron. Like, yeah. all that stuff works. But apparently they just said, like, it felt kind of wrong. And so they just made it a troll. You know what's so funny? I was thinking in that moment. I'm like, this is kind of weird. Like, why is yeah. he? It's like, it felt kind of contrived to have Aragorn. At that same moment, we're kind of we're we're flicking back and forth between Frodo and Sam and Mount Doom and the battle at the Black Gate, and uh, it's a really low moment. Uh, Frodo and I think at that point Frodo's struggling with the with Gollum or something. I think I can't remember the exact. I, th- I think I think Go- Gollum and Frodo are like physically struggling at that point, and then Aragorn is fighting this troll and I'm like this feels kind of contrived to like give Aragorn and these guys like a similar sort of moment of desperation like things seem bad uh oh is Aragorn gonna die um and the thing that saves Aragorn is the ring gets destroyed Destroyed, and so then all the orcs are like oh we have to run so yeah no. so that would have been a death blow about to be dealt yeah. to Aragorn, but then when the ring is destroyed, Sauron's distracted yeah. or weakened, and then Aragorn would have killed him or yeah. something like that. You know yeah, what? Do, do you know if it's possible, if you know that fact and you watch that scene... Is that, it, also, that scene exists on YouTube. You can, you can watch, watch it? You can watch it. It's shit quality, oh. but you can see like Sauron's arm and shit. there's and like, like less special effects and whatnot. I'm not sure exactly um, how they got it, but it's like... A I was going to say we should petition. Like It's sad that all these alternate things are just archived somewhere like rosebud on, yeah. just on a shelf it'd be cool if you could just watch all that oh, stuff like i, I want to watch i want to watch like cillian murphy's dressed up as batman like giving his audition <laughs> footage yeah. like i wish that was just all available <laughs> yeah. that'd be cool yeah, yeah. but um what i wanted to know is if you watch this scene with uh, aragorn versus the troll and you watch like his eyeline is it clear that he's fighting uh, the actor was acting for a differently shaped being than he's actually fighting in the final film mm. i don't know that, that well, I found Sauron that is like huge he's, so. he's but he's not like big. 30 feet he's like 15 feet right uh, he seemed pretty big i don't know I've, i wouldn't be surprised uh, he's probably a little shorter than a troll but still like pretty yeah but different really proportions still like trolls are like such wide backs and hunched yeah, over but i think that's why they they could superimpose him because something bigger so much bigger he's a yeah. thick troll with two c's yeah it always <laughs> felt like a weird scene him like like fighting, like dueling a, a troll. Like that doesn't seem like how you would deal with a troll. Yeah, yeah. It felt weird that or Aragorn could just like block his 
strikes. Yeah, it's like no, but there's I was so like, much force. I don't know, maybe you know, yeah. he's a donut dan, he's got the it blood of matter. kings, I don't know. But it's so interesting. When the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, I want that ending. I want him to like come face to face with Sauron. Oh, really? I wonder if it just takes off a lot of the pressure on Frodo mm. because like what are the stakes for Frodo then yeah. when he's like right beside the eye like yeah. The danger is so immediate. Yeah, it's true. Because like, if Sauron's work? not in there, then it's just yeah. like, well, it's just him and the landscape. Think, yeah, and it's like, is it actually Sauron or is it like a projection and you have to set it up? Yeah, I think, it I, can, I, I, think I can see this. Like, I, I can see how maybe that scene would have been... Because it does feel a bit weird that we are so concerned about this battle at the Black Gate while the real th- important thing is happening in Mount Doom. I feel like maybe if the stakes... Because I didn't really feel like Aragorn was going to die. It's like, it's a troll. There, there's yeah. a whole army there. Like, someone's going to well, save him. The, yeah. Legolas is going to come in and three arrow of the, him in the throat is. or something. Count. I feel like if if Aragorn, you know, somehow had to face off with Sauron by himself or something, and then they, we really do feel like Aragorn is in danger and he might die, it's like, okay, there are two stakes going on. Like, hopefully Frodo and Sam destroy the ring, but, like, maybe they destroy the ring and Aragorn dies. Like, we don't want yeah. that. So, like, there would be stakes there. Yeah. That, really that might be cool. It doesn't make sense for Sauron to become embodied again Yeah, without the possessing ring. the ring because that, that removes all the power totally. of the ring. The whole reason, the whole story is based on if, if he gets the ring, yeah. he can be powerful again. There's that lore version. That's fair. There's uh, a lore reason, and I also like it better. I like Sauron better as this sort of, like, disembodied abstract idea of evil. Instead of like he's a guy who we can punch, you know, like yeah. sort of. Yeah. I guess yeah. like uh, it also kind of makes it that his like threat is more vague. Right. Like if if you get the 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 prequel in the first one where he he's swinging left right and like yeah. taking out thirty dudes per swing. Yeah. Uh, and it'd be cool if at the end of this movie, at the climax battle, you get a little bit of that where you're like, oh, the humans are doing okay, like they're yeah. defending themselves, and then all of a sudden Sorn shows up and he's just like, Vroom, yeah, it Vroom. would be cool. I don't know. I, I mean, probably wouldn't hate it, but I think I agree with their decision. That's fair. I, yeah, that's I agree totally with their fair. decision too. I what think the that, hell happens when he gets the ring? You, you, like you bring the ring, Sauron? you bring the ring to Bowerdur, you hold it up to the eye, and yeah. the, then what happens? I feel like maybe he like has the strength now to incorporate a physical body or something. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe the ring becomes a body and he's just like golden man <laughs> walking around. Maybe he hadn't thought about it. it, it like just they the bring big... it to him and he, he's like, oh, shit. Oh. He's like the Michelin man made out of a bunch of rings. <laughs> That's super annoying. Did you, did you guys find uh, Pippin too annoying at the beginning of this one? I, at the very beginning? I don't. What? When they're talking about the salted pork and stuff? No, no, no. Like the pal- Palantir. Palantir. I actually, this is another thing. Palantir? This is, Palantir. This is, I have three, there's three things in this movie, three interactions in this movie where I'm like thinking it goes one way and it goes a different way. And we already discussed one, which is the um, the Sam and Gollum one. Mm-hmm. The other one, one of the other ones is this, where at first the Palantir falls in the water and Gandalf takes it from Pippin and glares at Pippin and is like, you're such an idiot. And then... The next scene is they're at a at a, par, a bar or pub and he's... Uh, Pippin they're at, at Edoras... Dancing. Celebrating, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A pub. The, the, the great <laughs> it's hall. It's the great yeah, king yeah, hall. Yeah. They're, they're celebrating. It's a thatched barn. <laughs> like Sauron. Sauron. Hey, guys, you want to go to a pub? Sauron's so savage, man. But anyway, he's celebrating. And then again, uh, he catches the gaze of Gandalf. And he kind of like feels self-conscious for being like, oh, I'm dancing on the table. Gandalf thinks I'm like such a twit. Oh, they yeah. have that shot. They're, that shot isn't the, in theatrical. Okay. Hmm. And then so at that point, I'm thinking, what is is Pippin's arc here that he wants to be um, considered as more than just like a, a joke in mm-hmm. Gandalf's eyes? Like he wants to become something. 
And but then that's totally undone by the plantier scene where it's like, oh, actually, the look I had earlier is because I want to hold the plantier more. I was right. like, oh, okay. So he kind of has a, a different arc after. Well, that and point. it's I feel like his arc in the last movie, it wasn't like a re- big arc, but he has that moment at the end where he's like, oh, I'm going to take this seriously, sacrifice my safety for in getting the ends into the war and like doing this great noble act. And then yeah, it just feels like it's like the uh, like they started a new season of a TV show and they have to be, like reset him well, and like have him kind of I do the know. same. And then he arrives at a place that's really powerful. And I think like yeah. his arc is really good in this movie. But once I, I yeah, when I feel like he's just retreading a lot of the same steps, I'm like, oh. I think that Pippin, the hobbits in general are a silly folk, but uh, Pippin is the silliest. And uh, I think that in Two Towers, Mary, pretty much from the get go, as soon as they you know meet the meet the Ents, Mary is like, "Hey, sweet, you guys gotta help," and he's like in. He's in it. He has a little arc where he kind of gets, uh, uh, he despairs a little bit, and then that's where Pippin comes in yep. and been like, "Hey, wait, that. try doing this over here." But I think in Pippin's mind, still, it's sort of like a game. Mm. Like Mary is like, "This is real stakes, and we really need to do this," and Pippin is still kind of just like having fun, and he thinks it's like, "Oh, we can trick Treebeard in this way," and he thinks, "Oh, I helped, great." Yeah. And then they they beat uh, Saruman. They're hanging out at Isengard. They're they're munching on salted pork. Smoking pipe weed. I Pippin's hate having a great that scene. Pippin ha- Pippin's having a great time, and then think in his mind, he's like, "Sweet, we won. the The stakes are gone, you know." And so I think that um, it it made sense to me that Pippin. It's not so much of a reset as it is like Pippin thinks it's a reset, and he's That's like, fair. "Sweet, we won." Yep. I, I just really hate when they when they're acting drunk and stone when they're like. Oh, we got the salted pork. Like you don't like that? Like again, I don't like the tone. I like they're kind of overact. It's hard to act drunk. How much do you love the uh, Legolas and Gimli drinking game? I hate all of that. Yeah, man. That's, that's not, not in theatrical. That's just extended. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I don't mind Legolas looking at his fingertips and being like, I think it's affecting me. But <laughs> but Gimli just like being cross-eyed and stuff. I'm yeah. just like this Honestly, is so brutal. And he says, "Game over." And you're like, "Oh, excuse me. What did you say, Legolas?" <laughs> High score. <laughs> High score, motherfucker. Man, I. The more we talk about this, the more I wish you guys watched the theatrical version because I've seen both yeah. many times. Uh, we had the extended editions at my house, and like, um. Yeah, that I, I chose to watch the theatrical version this time because I know that as a movie viewing experience, like wanting to sit down and like get immersed, like really think about the themes and the the characters and all that stuff. I think that the theatrical is just it's just better. It's, it's just better, much slicker. And yeah. and once you've had that experience, then you can go back and watch the extended. I'm not. I know you guys have watched it before, but I think that like the best way to experience the extended versions is like having that experience of the theatrical versions one to three and then like give it a little bit of time and then go back and watch the extended versions hundred percent because like then there's not so much stakes for you to to have this cool experience i think you should actually know the theatricals well enough yeah that when an extended scene comes on you're like extended, extended. but i think yeah. even for that it 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 breaks the flow a little bit a lot of these extended scenes as you're saying they they're just kind of weird. It's like why are those there? They they break the flow, you know. Do you know what's extended and what's not for the the Gondor scenes with Denethor? I don't know. The way that I'm remembering which uh, are extended scenes or not is when you guys describe something that happened, <laughs> oh, yeah, and I'm like, like oh, I didn't yeah. see that. So this yeah. is actually that's the third moment in the movie where I was like, is it this? And by the end of the scene, I'm like, oh, it's that. And um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, but I came full circle on this, so let me take you on a journey. Okay. So. Oh, yeah. um, we get Gandalf going into up to the steward of Gondor, Denethor, and he sits on that throne beside the real yeah, throne, right? Yeah, cool. And image. at first, he's basically saying, Denethor is saying, "I'm not going to give up my my throne, my stewardship, because Aragorn is coming from right. some like 
his house that he's coming from sucks. Like house as in like lineage. Uh, sorry, like, or uh, some line long bereft of lordship. Yeah, says. some ranger from the north, yeah. right? And at that point, I'm thinking, okay, uh, either he's just like a power hunger dude and he just wants to stay in power, totally natural, or it's totally plausible and respectable and I think a little more nuanced if he was totally willing to yield the throne and agree to a peaceful transfer of power, mm. okay? Uh, but <laughs> he won't do that if he doesn't think that the new king is legitimate. Right. You know, he's, he actually thinks that everyone is a bad leader and yeah. doesn't deserve it and he couldn't do what he's doing there. And I think that would be really cool and, in re- and that's realistic and in real life, that's, you know, people don't see themselves as evil in real totally. life, you know? People who are like storming the Capitol building and stuff, they yeah. think that <laughs> the rules... Uh, have been broken yeah. and that the other position isn't legitimate. So they're doing thing their own way. So that, so I can get behind Daniel for thinking that. And, and halfway through that scene, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe he just doesn't think that uh, Aragorn's legitimate and therefore he should hold onto the throne because totally. that's his duty as a steward of Gondor yeah. is to protect it from despots or whatever, demagogues. But then by the end of the scene, he's just yelling at Gandalf, yeah. like, only I can tear this throne. Yeah. Me. Yeah. You're like, yeah. And I thought that was kind of lame until I realized that, that is necessary because one of the oh. major themes in this movie is hope versus despair. Mm. And he has despaired. Totally. He, and he can't be both. He could not be the steward who is uh, doing his duty and looking out for Gondor while sim- simultaneously having had despaired right. and given up and lit himself on fire and ran off the edge. Yeah. Like, and that, that's that's the thing about Lord of the Rings. I feel like if, I, if this was a different movie series, I would be watching this and be upset. It annoyed me a little that Denethor was as much of a caricature as he is. Like, he doesn't seem like a real person. Like, the only way to describe, the only way to justify his actions is that he's lost his mind completely. Yeah, or black magic or something. Yeah, well, yeah, or, something, or Sauron got hold of his brain or yeah. something, you know? And, and uh, yeah, he really bugs me in this movie. I think he's a major weakness uh, from a pure storytelling standpoint. But I think that because Lord of the Rings is so mythological and because it deals with these like grand themes, I can watch this and be like, okay, this is like, this is like I'm if, if I'm reading a Greek mythology story and I'm like, that's not what a person would do. But it's he's like, an archetype. Yeah, he's an archetype. Yeah, he's supposed to represent, but, as but you wait, say, despair. Did Sauron get to his mind? Because didn't he hint at having the Palantir? I yeah. Thought. Oh, maybe. Someone tweeted at me, being like, well, yeah, of course, his mind would be all messed up because he's been using the Palantir to doom scroll forever. So, yo, oh. whoa, whoa, is that in the extended? I don't know. I he says it. something. He reveals some information. Then Gandalf's like, "How do you know that?" Well, he says, "You think the eyes of the White Tower are blind? Does the, does the White Tower have a planter? Google, <laughs> Google." <laughs> yeah, I I think that it works in the context of the black and white morality of Lord of the Rings. Uh, I think it, it it goes to show how dated of a story Lord of the Rings is, and that's not a bad thing. It's just like we've had so many stories that kind of try and find nuance in these archetypes. Yeah, like the Last Jedi. It, uh, <laughs> oh, you just got caught in a PC oh! pretzel. I love The Last Jedi. So, uh, um, but like, yeah, I, I find it. I just find it interesting that there's all these stories that have elaborated on all these stories, all, all these like pieces of Lord of the Rings, and they've done it better or evolved it and changed it. But like, none of the, like, there's a reason why we're still rewatching Lord mm. of the Rings 20 years later. Like, it's just so pure, so powerful. Totally, dude. Uh, we don't have to rewatch it soon. This year, we're gonna get the Amazon series. Oh god! <laughs> Which takes place a th- thousands of years before, but I has know. some familiar characters. I'm well, not excited. Gandalf, G- Galadriel, Galadriel. Okay, maybe all right. I'm I'm interested in it, but I'm not super stoked. I'm not. Uh, excited I think it's a at great all. choice to remove it from like 
the Peter Jackson Middle Earth and do something very different. I feel I, it was always weird to me that they expanded Lord of the Rings into like other uh, areas, like, like our media, like, like video even games? even even the fact that there's Lord of the Rings online was kind of weird. I'm like, really? what well, is that? Well, because to it's me, it's almost MMO. like yeah, it was an MMO. The, it, it was it was almost like it's almost like Lord of the Rings is this like. I, I tweeted recently to this effect about Star Wars. I'm like, maybe we've gotten too crazy about Star Wars. You know, it's like maybe we've gotten too many things, too many Star Wars things, and now no one's going to be happy because nothing is exactly what people want yeah. because people have different ideas of what Star Wars is and blah, blah, blah. And, um, yeah, I kind of feel that way about Lord of the Rings. I feel that it has been left alone. Uh, 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 much, to a certain degree. Yeah, it hasn't been tampered with as much as, like, Star Wars or Star Trek or whatever has. So... Um, it's almost sad to me to see them like being like, oh, we, let's make, Lord of the Rings is a brand that we have the rights to now. And there's a captive audience that would watch our show if we made a show about Lord of the Rings. And that just gives me no confidence. Well, that's because that the you've, show been, is be you've good. been burned. You have baggage yeah. now from well, Disney. They, exactly, they exactly. dip their toe into like unofficial canon with the uh, Shadow games, like the Shadow of War and Shadow Motor or opposite. Yeah. Uh, where they were in the Tolkien verse and they had like Sauron and they had all the Shelob as a sexy lady. Um, <laughs> yeah, I heard things about those yeah. games and, and that's the, why I have not played And they them. were good and like the story worked in the video game. Um, but it was a decent you, video game. Basically, but you kill Sauron and become like the master of the ring. Yeah, it's fucked when up I was shit. a child, I that's thought that one of the endings. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry, spoiler. I'll well, put that's it. not like, but that's not like the canon ending, obviously. <laughs> no, and exactly, and like yeah. that's why it's like it's just weird. And I mean, they, I don't think they'll do anything like that with the Amazon show, but. You never know. It depends how successful I'm, it is. Yeah. When I was a kid, I thought more content equals better. Yeah. But now it's just like you, you wish that the rights holder could just be like. This is it for all eternity. We're, you're not allowed to make any more yeah. forever. Well, as an adult, bury it. you kind of have an understanding of what makes things special is restraint sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, the idea, like, like there was a news article recently that's just talking about how the Amazon Lord of the Rings show is going to have a bunch of, like, sex scenes oh, and yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, no. And I was like, <laughs> like, obviously, I have no problem with sex scenes when I they're used, do. like, to... <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're interspecies. I, I mean, I... I Hobbits. Pers personal orcs. opinion, I do... I don't like when there's just, like, gratuitous sex scenes yeah. for the purpose of titillation. Yeah. Like, if it serves some plot purpose, sweet. Totally Which correct. is the same yeah. thing with any scene. If you just have a scene and the whole purpose of that scene is to titillate, I'm like, well, do something Else more useful with it. with it. But anyways, um, Lord of the Rings just seems, like, special. It seems like... You know, we don't need topless elves. Uh, in, 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 so, like, I, I do. don't know. I do. I need <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. I need, I need it. Those eternal titties. Dude, the internet exists. Just go, you know. There's, yeah. You can find it. Rule <laughs> I don't need it in the bro. Amazon show. All right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Speaking we, of elves. Speaking of elves. Yeah. Elrond. Couple things here. First of all, why doesn't he forge the sword together? What? What the hell? What do you mean? When he's like, okay, we're going to repair the sword that was broken. And then it just cuts to two random elves blacksmithing it. I'm like, why not just cut to Elrond blacksmithing it? It'd be so much better. Well, I think it's probably a lore thing where it's like, he's not a Yeah, smith. he's not a smith. Doesn't so, matter. So, no, fans would be like, oh, excuse me, Elrond's blacksmithing is only like a seven out of ten. That's just so stupid. No, that does, they changed tons of stuff. That doesn't matter. About? They almost had Sauron as the enemy. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> like, embodied. Are you saying that originally in the book he's, he forges it? No, I'm just saying visually, like, I would just care way more. Yeah. It would be a cool, a way better visual. Just like the visual of him uh, when in Fellowship of the Ring when he's doing that flashback where he, he says, I was there. I was there the day man failed and yeah. he, he watches a sealed door in the volcano and you see him all sweaty kind of you know lit by the light of the fire which he would be in this scene uh 
he looks cool when he's dirty and shit. Yeah. It should have just been like, all right, we're going to do this. And it goes to him smashing the sword yeah, back together instead of two know. random elves. Well, it just I made agree. me mad. And the person I was watching with was like, that sucks. And I was like, that's right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so I'm not alone. While I agree that that might have been cool to have Elrond uh, reforge the sword, it's like that, it's not always better to have a character do something just because you want to see that character doing it. Like, if, if, if you want, um, Oh, Frodo should have flown on the eagles or something. It's like it would be it would be cool to have this character fly the plane instead, but it's like they're not a pilot. So to me it makes still the sense. Like Elrond No, but and, he's so he, why can't he? Like I've forged things in high school. Like He's not a smith, but he he's so magic. Yeah, we don't necessarily but know forging that he's not a sword a smith. isn't just like the El, the, the elves don't have just like magicy magic stuff that they can just like forge a sword yeah, if they have no idea how to of, do okay, it. Okay, if you were a mortal and could live for thousands of years, don't you think by like three thousand years from now you would probably speak Arabic? It's not something that's important be, to him. No, but okay, I think we're you're going too far into it. Like, would you have believed that Elrond could no. have forged? You don't. You wouldn't. I no, think I, because, because I would believe that he could forge a sword. I, there's so much I mystery like, around. I him. feel like even if Elrond has forged a sword before. I think it makes total sense because Elrond, Galadriel, Celeborn, these are like, they're kind of like lords and they have their their courts and their minions and stuff. So it's like, why would they go and personally forge the sword if they have people well, to do that? consider this aspect of it. The sword is in some, de- to is, some I degree, don't want to talk about this for a long it's time. magical. And I think this is a really cool thing about Lord of the Rings. It's like, uh, Isildur had a regular sword. It was just made by a man. But then he used that sword to cut off the finger of Sauron well, at a momentous moment. Actually, it's right? a Lendil sword, his father. Okay, whatever. It was a normal sword. <laughs> yeah. But then after it did this action, now it is imbued with power for some reason. Well, you know, now it's a powerful object. Because we, we have this in our lives, right? You could have something like, oh, that was the shirt he was wearing during the accident. Right. Like now it, it just, or this location just has weird energy because we know what happened totally, here. Totally, totally. You can imbue an object with meaning. Yeah. And I think it's really cool that... Uh, that happens in this movie. This sword, because of its history, now when I show the enemy the sword, people are like, oh shit. No, totally. It can do it again. I it's totally illogical. Well, yeah. I mean, in the Lord, in the world of Lord of the Rings, it makes sense. I, I feel like um, I, I was kind of, I didn't know where you were going there with like, it was imbued with a magical energy or whatever, but I think I, I get what you're saying now because I don't think that, you know, at any point the sword is like imbued with anything, but I think that the fact that it is the sword of, the Gondorian kings. It's like plus 10 charisma. Yeah, it was the sword of Elendil. It was taken up by a Sildur. And now that same sword has been handed down to the heir to the Gondor, to, to the throne, Aragorn. And the, the, the simple fact that that is true uh, means something to the dead people, whether they know it or not. And I think that that kind of goes along with the Lord of the Rings sort of like magic exists and things are... You know, you don't need to, like, cast a spell on the sword for it to mean something. That meaning that in our world we just, like, place on things, and that's just, like, a subjective meaning that we understand. At the end of the day... In Lord of the Rings, it's real. Well, at the very least, all it means is, like, look, the King of Gondor has the sword. This sword represents my lineage, which I'm a part of, and the king is back. Yeah, but I'm saying... At the very least. To to us, that something representing something is purely abstract, and it's not real. Mm -hmm. It's just we believe that. But in Lord of the Rings... It is real. It's a real force. It's a part of reality. Yeah, and I just think that that would be accentuated, or I believe it even more, if someone who is very magic, very powerful in magic, like Elrond, was the one who built it, put it back together. Yeah, yeah. Again, I think it would be cool if Elrond did it, but I think that it makes sense that he didn't. All right. And it doesn't really... I I, I hate you. Let's move on. (laughs) I think that the, uh, the best city design in the entire movie is in this one. I think that Gondor looks so good. 
I love that it's like slightly. Yeah, Minister. Sorry. I love that it's like slightly overexposed. I love like that courtyard with the tree, the mm. fire, like the shot of a Denethor on fire falling off the cliff. <laughs> it's like the most epic fantasy shot yeah. ever, but it's like kind of simple and low stakes, but it's like part of a battle. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's like, but, but that's the one of the thing where it's like, dude, you just ran like a two football fields on fire. <laughs> <laughs> he goes from inside, runs all the way to the door, out the door, and yeah. then it's like... Do At you, least a hundred yards. Do you know Denethor? He's a drama queen. He wants people to remember <laughs> his death. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. I like that. That whole seat is like a little wacky. Like, uh, yeah, it's. I, I, I guess I just don't understand his motivation of like wanting to burn himself and his son. Like, I get logically that like he's like the line has ended. Like, I want to die now. I give up. Despair. Yeah. Like that ties into that theme. Yeah, but it just it doesn't feel. I think doesn't feel real. I think that you know, as we said, he's an archetype of yeah, despair. That's fair. And I did read that apparently there probably was a Palantir in Minas Tirith because um, there was a Palantir in Minas Ithil, which is uh, the Palantirs weren't always like evil, right? They were like there Just were four. There stones. were four in Middle Earth. And they're like of, Facebook Messenger or they're WhatsApp. Yeah, they're WhatsApp. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there, there was one in Min- so Minas Tirith. There was one in Minas Ethel, and there was one in Isengard, and there was another one somewhere. And the Minas Ethel becomes Minas Morgul because uh, M- Mordor used to be part of Gondor or whatever. And so there is a Palantir. That's in, basically Taiwan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, my last thing about Gondor that I love to, I wanted to talk about because it's like this movie is black and white, uh, and it's all hope and despair living next to each other inside of the Gondor keep, the castle it is all black and white. Everything is like stark black, white, like it's accents. Mm-hmm. And I find like the, the fact that three movies in, they're still using design to tell the story right. shows how much love and passion and work went into this fucking totally. trilogy. It's totally. great. You can really tell like, yeah, Saruman disses Theoden by saying that the house of uh, in Rohan is just like a thatched barn or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, and it, man, that guy's so savage. But <laughs> you you really do get the sense that you're in the third movie. They're finally in Gondor and Minas Tirith. And this is the real human stronghold. They, mm. They've got stone walls. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I did like the contrast between... Because the only realm of... Well, I guess we have seen Minas Tirith before in the movies. But the, the contrast is cool in this movie between... Rohan, the strength of Rohan and the strength of Minas Tirith. And it's kind of like, oh, there's different strategies here because Rohan is made up of all these tiny little villages spread out all over the place. And that's why they're the horse lords because their strength is in cavalry and that's how they live their life. And in Gondor, everyone's just like packed into the city with seven levels and it's friggin' massive. And so So because that landscape is really exposed, right? Like they have that one mountain that they're built up against for defense. Yeah. It's uh, I I mean, Rohan's exposed as well, but. Um, we kind of like we've gotten a little bit into nitpicks and stuff but I want to bring it back a little bit and talk about themes again yes, because please. one of the coolest I don't know and maybe it, it's also this is also a big reason why I cry in these movies because there are such strong themes of brotherhood and friendship mm. uh, the like two different sets of best friend hobbits who t- both reach some sort of like they, they, they come apart and then they come back together and uh, the trio bonding, the Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, that's kind of something that happens over the whole franchise, but they go from being complete strangers to being mm-hmm. like, yeah, In- we're inseparable. Freaking, we're we're coming brothers. with you. Yeah, we're we going are, with you. You can't leave us. We're a unit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really cool. And Aragorn's like, yeah, I got to go. And they're like, we're coming with you, laddie. You might as well accept it. And, uh, and then like the brotherhood of Gondor and Rohan, which we were kind of just talking about, like th- if we think about them as entities, they used to be allies. And now over time, they're just like, they didn't come and save us and he didn't come and save And how me. perfect is that? That's exactly what it's like with families. Totally. I don't, yeah. I'm sure almost 
almost everyone in the audience has a thing where it's like, yeah, my dad hasn't talked to my auntie for like 19 years because of this yeah. stupid fight over the, yeah. over some used car that yeah. doesn't matter, but I don't even know my cousin because of that. And it's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's sad. And that's exactly how it is in this movie. It's like, well, they didn't help us at Helm's Deep. And then, well, I'm not going to light the fires. Yeah. And your friend who's like telling you like, hey, just reach out. They want to be friends yeah. again. And the one guy's like, you know, the, you know in, in uh, Two Towers when, Aragorn's trying to convince Theoden to call Gondor for aid, and Theoden's like, they're not going to help us. Yeah, like they helped us all those other times. Yeah, right, blah, blah, blah. And, and what happens? The fire's lit. We're gone. Yeah, and oh, I love that scene though. Huge like, chill you, moment. You don't know that Theoden's going to say yes. Like everyone kind of yeah. gathers around him. They're like, like Aragorn runs. He's like, the pickets are lit. The pickets are lit. Gondor calls for aid. And, and the amount everyone, of silence, the yeah, duration of the silence. Yeah, everyone just gets a close up and they look at him <laughs> and he's like, and we will answer. Yes, and you're, and like, it, yeah! you're right. It works so well because we don't know what he's going to yeah. say because of everything that he said so up to good. this point. We uh, we assume that he's still mad. Yeah. And he's like, and Rohan will answer. Like, yeah. ah! I love that actor, it's man. So good. Imagine if it just like, that big silence and it pushes into his face the zoom, and he's just like, "Fuck him." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh man. Um, Theoden, gotta say though, Theoden, I love, you know, his he, he's an epic character and his speech of Pelennor is awesome, but like he has this weird complex about only fighting when the odds seem insurmountable. <laughs> <laughs> like in Helm's Deep, he's like, oh, all hope is lost. Like, don't call Gondor for aid. Like, we're just gonna die here and blah, blah, blah. And then they're at the keep and Aragorn's like, you know, everything's lost. We, we're doing so badly, but why don't we just ride out one last time? And Theoden's like, yes. Yeah. And then he goes <laughs> ape shit. <laughs> he just wants to be same remembered as an epic here. king. They, they, same thing happens here when he sees Aragorn leaving, and he doesn't know Aragorn's going to get the dead people. Yeah. For some reason, that's one of my big things that yeah. I'm like confused about. Why didn't Aragorn, did Aragorn not tell Theoden yeah. he was going to go get the dead that's guys? That's pretty shitty. And like, even like Gandalf tells like, follow the path of the dead. And it's like, how does he know that he'll have Anduril in time? He doesn't know that Anduril's oh, well, being reforged. I mean, I mean, like G Gandalf's mystical, sure. But Gandalf's like, just hoping, It's man. some pretty crazy coincidences that he gets Anduril just in time. Well, he doesn't, he, would he doesn't need Anduril. Yeah, Anduril's just a visual evidence. No, but they would have killed him. The, go I the think, ghost people would have killed he, him. I think he I did suppose. need Anduril, but I think that... Couldn't what, he have just used his words? Couldn't he have just like, this is who I am? <laughs> no, because he needs the proof. He needs the proof. Yeah. They're like, unless you have the proof, then you're just some dude. Um, I don't think that Gandalf knew that he would succeed, but I think that part of what makes this series so awesome is the fact that the magic and... and well, yeah, they, Gandalf isn't operating off of like some vision that he has. Well, right? he's hope. Which he's hope exactly, and and we have this, and it's not even good hope. It's not even rational hope. It's a fool's hope. It's faith. That, that, that scene where Pippin is talking to him, and he's like, Do, "Is there any hope for Frodo and Sam?" And he's like, "Only a fool's hope," and that's just like the whole movie. It's like everything. It seems like we're gonna lose. There's no point in in believing that Frodo and Sam will get this done. There's no point in trying, but we're gonna do it anyway. Love it. It's interesting. How do you think that ties into the rush with like Faramir and his men trying to retake Osgiliath? Like, how does hope, <laughs> hope and despair yeah, play really, into that? You could like, really flip that around. Yeah. No. Like, I'm not. I'm not trying to be like, yeah. hey, no, fuck well, you. That, they're they're doing that because Denethor. Yeah. You're talking about the time where Denethor is like, all right, you already lost Osgiliath. Go try to get it back. Yeah. And they just and run. They rush the field and get not, shot down by arrows. No, that's a good point. It's not hope per se. They're like no, following that, a that, stupid order. Yeah, and mm. it's interesting because I think this is a extended scene, but there's a part where Gondor gives a big info dump to to Pippin. Uh, the Denethor. Pardon me? No. Denethor gives a big... Gandalf. Oh, Gandalf. You said Gondor. But oh, continue. I'm so bad at that. Um, 
Oh, it's because I have the word Gondor like highlighted right <laughs> on my on my screen. Gandalf gives the big info dump to Pippin, and he's he says that Gondor fell into ruin because the rulers did not use the wisdom that the West had gained up to that point. Mm. And then they started building lavish tombs for the fallen instead of like focusing right, on the right, living. Right. right. The kings, yeah, the you know, the kings with the right bloodline need to come back. Lesser men. <laughs> Problematic, David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually i, I, I would wanna... like to talk about that or yeah, no, go ahead. well just because one of you i think you said that there are some problematic or things that things that didn't age well yeah what were you talking what about you there mean? uh i was talking about the opening scene like some of the, the cg, oh, CG. Okay. i thought you meant like culturally Mo- no mostly like like uh, again there's like some weird crossfades where yeah. like somebody's in the background you can like superimposed like just yeah. some cheesy things well like that. i even tweeted about it i got a, i paused a frame and like there's a, a frame where like the elephant's legs disappear and it's just like a bad render or something. Yeah. They didn't have time to redo you know, it. It's funny. I saw a visual artifact too in the title sequence when it's like we're, we're panning up from the trees and it says Return of the King. There's like a there's like a artifact in the bottom lower Weird. right of the... It's like just like a black speck that yeah. just goes... Do you know what I didn't realize is that these movies were a huge mess before they came out. Like So the first one came out and they were like running out of budget. They were running out of support. Like everything was a mess. And they had shot all three and like they were like fucking scrambling and they reshot tons of this movie. There's like months mm. and off the months. strength of like 13 Oscar nominations yeah, or like, something. Oh, like that. they're like, yeah, it's worth reinvesting. And they did tons of reshoots and reshaped it and got it to where it is. Thank God. Mm. But I had no idea. I would like totally change my mind about reshoots. Dang, dude. Doesn't mean a bad thing. You thought, re- <laughs> you thought reshoots were what? Generally a bad thing. It's like, yeah. oh, they didn't they didn't nail their movie. They don't I, really yeah, know what they're doing. I don't hear about reshoots and immediately think that that means something bad. But I think that when a movie comes out and you know, and, and it's like, this was kind of weird and you know that they did reshoots. It's yeah. like, ah. it doesn't help. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't help your overall picture of the movie. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I brought up that, uh, mm. the fields of Pelennor, is that, feel, is that right? Where they're rushing towards Osgiliath? Yeah. Uh, I love that. It's one of the best scenes in the movie when uh, Mary is singing or Pippin is. Oh yeah. 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 And yeah. And that sorry. song is so powerful. And oh, like the visual. So and like them just the is that when Pippin re- singing? Yeah, Pippin, uh, and they're they're slowly kind of realizing it, and like Denethor's eating, and he's like oh, eating just, so gross. Yeah, oh, man, uh, yeah, I, I just, hate that scene. The, the this series nails the art of the montage. Mm. Like, there's so many good montages throughout this series, and like I think that's just like a really strong example. Uh, and like, it just every shot adds to the other, yeah. and like it's telling this great and close story. But like you feel so much and you feel this despair and you feel like like torn up about Pippin and like you're like, fuck, I hate this yeah, guy. The and, like, song is so haunting. <laughs> <laughs> so good. To the yeah. edge of and they 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 included that scene just because they went to karaoke and they're like, he's producing. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, oh wow. they did. Yeah, and they're like the writers were like, up. we better figure out. And then they found the words in the, the books and were like yeah, we'll make it work. I love how many little like behind the scenes tidbits you can get from this movie. Well, those guys live together for months, right? Totally. Yeah, when man, when you watch the behind the scenes, it you like I don't know if you guys have ever been part of a big production for a long time, like in like theater, like in high school or whatever. Oh, and it's sure. like three yeah. months, six months, and at the end of it, you're like, wow, that was a big chapter of my life. Can you imagine working on something for three oh years God. on an island? <laughs> on an island, yeah, your entire <laughs> life is Lord of the Rings, and at the end of it, it's just over. I understand why Orlando Bloom came back for The Hobbit. <laughs> I understand because, like, yeah. man, trying to recapture that glory. Yeah. But well, I praise Viggo Mortensen. And like, not. so many of them are still known best for oh, totally. for Lord of the Rings. Even you know? like people like Elijah Wood, who had a career after, it's still Frodo. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Elijah Wood is funny because he he never really did. He's never really gotten back into like big movies. No, it's all weird indie he's, stuff. He's, he does a lot of indie, yeah, fun stuff and like TV shows. He's in a freaking Raid Shadow Legends ad. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it online. I was like, what are you doing? I, I totally oh sympathize with that yeah. progression because it's just like. Yeah, I've been in the biggest budget thing, yeah. the yeah. hugest production. I've yeah. done that. Now yeah. let's do weird yeah, stuff. Yeah, same yeah, with Daniel like, Radcliffe. It's just like he doesn't step ma- aside. He doesn't and really also your much. your whole identity that you don't want to just be like Frodo or Harry Potter forever. So. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't really care much about yeah. like being in the Marvel Universe or something. Yeah, he's he just chilling. hear those horror stories from like Leonard Nimoy and like he just didn't want to be Spock anymore, but he's, he's Spock. Okay, let's talk about the end where... <laughs> I don't want to talk about Spock. Let's talk about the end where Frodo and Sam are in, in Mount Doom and the fact that Frodo fails the fact the fact that frodo gets to the end you know the hero of the story well one of the heroes of the story gets to the end and like he's about to fulfill his whole mission the climax of the you know of the film sort of there's sort of two climaxes but we'll talk about that uh and he fails he, he goes to to drop the ring and he, and he succumbs to the evil that he's been fighting this entire time like well how do you guys feel about that i think it really works for the drama of the moment like i think mm. the drama is really heightened by that moment of him like it, the ring is mine. Yeah. And you're like, and Sam, like, no. Yeah, the despair. Oh, I feel it. Yeah, that huge moment of despair. Uh, but like, yeah, thematically, it kind of poses some problems. Oh, well, really? I don't know if it does. Maybe it's just a different theme than we're used to because instead of it being like, you're going to rise to the occasion, little hobbit, and you're going to bear this burden, and but you can actually do it. You, you mm. can do it. And you get to the end and he does a thing that no one thought he could do. Instead of that, it is... Uh, we are weak as individuals yeah. and you need your team. I agree with that. But then it's like, well, what solves that? Well, a weaker person. <laughs> like, like it, well, I, and like, I'm kind of taking it out of context and like a little bit of a straw man, but like what's, what, what solves what? What solves like one person's weakness is like the weakness of another. Like his, okay, his, his, his strength fails. And I, I totally agree. I think that's a better layering on top of that theme where it's like, okay, even though he was like the most pure, the most good, even even he can fail. Even his heart can fail. But then what what turns it around and what saves the whole day is that a person even more corrupt than him just takes him down. See, but I think that the takeaway—that's not what we're supposed to focus. We're not supposed to focus on Gollum uh, being there to save the day. You know, <laughs> we're supposed to focus on the fact that Gollum is part of this whole apparatus of like evil and addiction and despair that uh, is him grabbing the ring and like attacking Frodo and them kind of like falling together. Like Frodo falls off the cliff. He doesn't fall into lava. Gollum does, but they both fall. This is a, this is the darkest point for both of them. Uh, We're not supposed to focus on that. We're supposed to focus on the fact that Frodo couldn't do it by himself. And he was saved by Sam, his best friend, the bonds of friendship, the bonds of brotherhood, uh, and our, also his pity duties. that he showed yeah. Gollum, like he yeah, exactly. they spared him, and that and came back. And that's kind of what I was talking about that's in fair. the in the two towers. Uh, I, I think it was like a real quick throwaway line, but this is why I was kind of like, and that's why I'm against the death penalty because you never know, you never yeah. know when. It's kind when, of what Gandalf what's was saying. Happen, yeah, in Moria when he's like, you know, you might need this character to be around. Don't kill right. him now, right? Because if he if Gollum wasn't there, they would have. Well, what do you think? What would have happened? Do you think? I think Sam wouldn't have been able to do it. I don't do you think, think he could have. You think taken Sam down would have Frodo. pushed Frodo into the? Yeah, no. and that's an interesting because I thought I remembered that Sam wasn't affected by the ring, but then when Sam goes to uh, rescue Frodo from the tower, he's holding out the ring, and he does have a moment where he's kind of like, Reshoots! "Oh, maybe I shouldn't give it." What? Actually, it's that's all done in editing. Originally, he was just going to hand it back. Oh yeah. And then in editing, they're like, 
well, does that kind of take away from the power of the yeah, ring? Yeah, I so think they, it does. They took shots that he had and they combined them and kind of fade them together yeah. to have that yeah. moment of hesitation. Also, it's kind of a plot hole then because you're just like, just give it to this guy. And he'll just run it in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's we had the wrong guy from the get-go. <laughs> because my it should have just been Sam. <laughs> it answers my que- my next question was, what if it was Sam carrying it and Frodo was his support yeah. character there? Would would Frodo, we all love Sam. The yeah. way that Sam acts, like, I'll carry you, you know? Yeah. Um, you can go think, alone, but I'm coming with you kind of thing. Yeah. I don't think f- they would have made it. Frodo's a little bitch. <laughs> but maybe it's just because he is more subdued and kind of like introspective character than Sam. But like, do you think that they would have just switched roles and Frodo would have carried Sam and it would have been Sam who I mean, like couldn't go on? It's kind of hard because we don't actually see a ton of Frodo before he gets the ring. So like Frodo as a character for us is defined as to struggle with the ring. Like that's a that's a characteristic of we him. We know in the book that he is different than the other hobbits. Yeah. He's, right. That's why Bilbo likes him. Mm. He, he has a bit of an, his uncle in him. Yeah, right? yeah. And so I, it's, it is hard for me to answer that. I think that um, I, I something tells me the more perfect uh, reality is that this is the way it had to happen. And in a reality in which like Sam has to bear the ring and Frodo has to support him. Like I don't want to think that that is... That that could have worked. Why? Just fine. You don't think that's? that's I think that more it, because it's because it's beautiful so, and moral that either one of them could have done it. Because it's so beautiful for Sam's character to be this unrelenting, loyal uh, uh, archetype of like perseverance and hope that like we don't really map that onto Frodo so much. So I don't. I, maybe Frodo does yeah, have that. I potential. get what you're saying, but I think it's more of an uplifting story if it's like you know, you would have done the same. You know, when you give sure. somebody accolades and you're like, man, you would have done the same thing as me sure. in that situation. Because we know just by virtue of the fact that those two people made it that far, mm-hmm. either of them could have done, been there for each other. Yeah, fair enough. I'll give it to you. Maybe it could have could have been fine if they were reversed. Like, uh, they really truncate the amount of time that the Hobbits are in Mordor and stuff in these movies. Like, they battle Shelob halfway through this movie instead of at the end of the second movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just because if memory serves... They just don't do anything in mortar. It's just a lot of walking around, <laughs> yeah. climbing, sleeping, kind of stuff, philosophical conversation, running out of food, having yeah. <laughs> philosophical. Con- yeah. all, the, all the orcs are like no, no, like the between themselves. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I, that's I, all the orcs do in Mordor because yeah. there's nothing to do. I think it's a smart choice because even in the second movie, Sam and Frodo don't have that much to do, but it doesn't matter because Aragorn is kind of the center of that movie, and then mm-hmm. in this movie. It has to return to Frodo because really he is the protagonist of the series. It's will he destroy the ring? Right. Uh, and so it's good to give him something extra in this movie to do so that it doesn't feel so fucking boring. Right. Speaking of doing things, do you guys ever wonder like, again, archetypes? Do you think that like the the orcs and the bad guys, they're all just evil archetypes, right? Mm. But I can't escape the thoughts of what the hell do these guys do when they're just not at war? That what is they, something. What do the orcs do all day? From a lore perspective, that is, as a, as a bit of a lore nerd with other franchises, I um, and this one a little bit, that is something that bothers me because I'm like, well, the orcs are clearly sentient, conscious, intelligent beings. Where are the orc women? <laughs> we don't know if there are any. Maybe they're I think asexual. the orc women basically look like orc men. orc men. There is a hot orc in this movie. What? <laughs> <laughs> the one so like uh, male or female I don't know the orc captain's name male I don't know Golgoth Golgamoth mm. uh, they're, they're androgynous I think that's what makes them hot okay the, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. using hot orc in like a, a not actually hot but like uh, the orc captain with the messed up face yeah, in Osgiliath when like Faramir is uh, second in command or whatever he's still alive and the orc captain comes up and spears him the orc that he takes the spear from is the hot orc. And later, <laughs> <laughs> and later, when the Rohirrim are, are charging and they're all shooting arrows at them, um, 
there's like a close up on his face too, and he like does these white or she. I don't know. It's Andrade. I think I know which orc you're talking about. Yeah, right. I no, no, just because I have piercing eyes. It's like there's this orc who's and smooth skin. They just show this one a few times. Yeah, uh, he's got yeah, long yeah. hair. Yeah, yeah. I, I need help. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying hot orc like oh man, I'm attracted to this orc, but I just objectively yeah, they have like pleasing the features. Normal. Yeah. All right, you would. Maybe yeah, I, would. I, I just don't know because it's like, yeah, the reign of orc has, is here. It's like, well, what does that entail? Do you guys just ever chill and play games? Like, <laughs> what do they yeah. ever and I th- do? I think that's why you kind of have to think of Lord of the Rings as like an archetypal story. I don't, I, I resist, like, in one of the previous podcasts, I went and like read a ton of the lore and stuff because I'm like, oh, this is kind of interesting. But I think that that's also why I don't want to see this Amazon show. I don't think that yeah. there needs to be an MMO because I like it more as this sort of like contained archetypal story. And if you keep digging too far into those stories, they break down. Uh, especially if it's a series where there's going to be like 30 episodes. Totally. Like, what do they say? There's going to be three seasons? I don't know. Uh, I, d- I don't care. We will talk about it when the time comes. Oh, we're all going to watch it, right? Yeah, if we watch it and it's good, it could be the first TV show that we cover. If, oh, maybe. If we're all watching it. we got to watch The Boys. That's the one we should yeah, fucking cover. I have yet boys. to start that one. Okay, Do you know wait. what the worst moment in the entire Lord of the Rings series is? What? When Legolas takes down that fucking elephant. Really? That is the worst moment in this entire series. You think that's worse than the horse loop-de-loop? For sure, because it's like a minute-long sequence. Like, the CG is terrible. It's, like, stupid. The power level that he has in there makes no sense in this universe. There's a Wilhelm scream. (laughs) He takes the dude off. And then, and then... The elephant falls down, and he Fred Flintstones down the fucking <laughs> trunk. That's the most egregious moment. That is that's the, the worst. worst I don't actually have a problem with him when he's on it, and he cuts the saddle. Yeah, that's fine. Uses it to hoist himself up. He yeah, does some, cool. do yeah. some good arrow shots. Like, that's all within his power, but it's a, the, the surfing off it. He's always surfing. <laughs> Yeah, it was that time. Skateboarding, so, was, boarding, cool. boarding was slippery elbows. Yeah, yeah, board sports were big at that time. Yeah, yeah. I really, I, they don't bother me that much. I'm what, just kind of like, ah, oh, they need some silly. They need some fun action I think things. What it what it goes to go is just Gimli and Legolas are so thinly realized as characters. Like they, they're so right. underdeveloped, and it's kind of a shame that they just don't really do much. Like the, basically, their arc is to like not be racist, and that's cool. But they yeah. did, they did that. Yeah, they did that two in two. Ago. Yeah, exactly. And so like. It kind of just sucks that, like, like we talked about, like, there's the two pairs of, of hobbits that are, like, best friends. Aragorn has this huge arc. Like, be, like Boromir had a better arc than, yeah. than, than, than Legolas and Gimli in one movie. Uh, and, like, this it, is... it kind of go- really does dig. The more I think about it, the more I'm, it's digging at me that, mm-hmm. like, Gimli and Legolas are really not that interesting See, as characters. I think that... I think that this is why I said I couldn't give an objective rating to this movie no. because... Uh, you know, these things exist. There are weaknesses with the movie. Obviously, it's not a perfect movie. There is no such no thing such as a perfect thing, yeah. movie. But Except um, for Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> It'd be cool well, if, if they whatever. had something yeah. to but, do at the end. But I think that the rest of the movie and the franchise, the, the, the decisions that they've made about story and character and the attention to detail with the effects and, and um, just everything else in this franchise is so perfect, it's hard to describe, that... The things that aren't perfect are like not as important to me. Like I 100% agree with you that that and we I said this in the previous movie that they're they're kind of non characters. They're just there to be cool, comic relief and yeah. fight scenes. But um, it's okay. Like the, I'll this is a movie I watch and there are things that are wrong with it. But in my mind I say, but it's okay. You know what yeah, the best 100%. moment is at the end when the hobbits are all standing there and there's this like huge congregation of people. 
and everybody kneels to the hobbits. Oh. Right. That is closing the loop on their whole thing, yeah, where totally. they've been little people in a big world yeah. who didn't know what the hell they were getting into, and it just totally closes that. That's totally. a powerful moment. The movie could have ended there. That could have been the final scene. Okay, wait, yeah, let's talk about this. Do you guys think it... Well, the extended I, definitely drags on a bit I, more. I think that I'm glad the extended version exists, because it's nice to get this very clear closure of every character, but I think, like... Everything after that's kind of unnecessary. Like you don't really need to know that Frodo will sail off this earth in a straight line. Really? I, I found out the, I think the that's physics important. of what happens. Okay, there. well you don't find that out of the movie. Wait, the no, movie. I, I, I listened to a talk from what? a Tolkien professor. Okay, but the movie doesn't this? So the Whatever. the Middle Earth used to be flat and then in the second age it became spherical. What? And so when they're sailing to the west, they're literally sailing in a straight line off the planet to the west. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Wait, I thought the second age the was, was before this movie. Yeah, it's this is a, before. It this used is to be the third flat. Age. Oh, so in this be flat. now we're on a planet. So in now this mo- a- in this movie, they're boating off on a round Earth, yeah. just a different place. So it, but yeah. no, but off the Earth in a straight line. Oh, so like as if the Earth was still flat. Oh, damn. archetypal story. Shit, dude. don't make it real. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, I think that. I mean, we can talk about which parts are in the extended version or not, but I think that the um, the ending sequence where we the, the hobbits come back to the Shire. It feels weird because, you know, in movies like Star Wars or whatever, it's like they blow up the Death Star and then they're done. That's yeah, basically the end. This, the ceremony. Yeah. And- Dude, if you think the but- movie drags on too long... The book, yeah, because yeah. this they they there's like a whole another book. They don't have the, the scouring of the Shire yes. where Sauron and I believe Wormtongue also go to the Shire and they, yeah. and everyone gets back and they have to like take them out they have to take the back so the Shire back brutal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember being a kid and being like, "What the fuck? Yeah. Like we just destroyed the ring and now there's still an 150 pages or something." It's <laughs> insane. Yeah. Talk about an anticlimax. Well, and it's hard too because like in the scope of the 12 hours experience, like having a 45 minute ending makes sense, but. In one movie, having that much ending doesn't feel like yeah. it's the right proportion. Uh, but Riley, I think that uh, I like that the moment where you see them back in the Shire mm. and they're in the pub and everything is the same, totally. but nothing's the same. Yeah. And yeah. they're looking at their beers and looking at each other. But then they just cheers and go and go on. That yeah. is, uh, that's just like a veteran's experience. Totally. I, I, re- I like that moment. I think Is that, that extended? Uh, no, that, uh, that's in the theatrical. Um, and so I, I normally, I think in a movie we expect we don't expect to see that stuff. We're just kind of like, we don't need to see them going home and like saying hi to everybody and trying to go on with their lives. Like we don't need to see that, like just end the movie. Cause that's a tighter story. But I think that it's the, the, the victory in Mount doom is, is not even like the climax of the story. The, that is the, I watched a video essay on this. Okay. So I'm stealing from just right. I think oh, had, had a video good, about good just this thing. It was like a 12 minute video just about this. And I thought it was like, Oh, I didn't have, I hadn't thought about this before. The victory of Mount Doom is the climax of the plot because the plot is kind of like what happens in the story, right? They get the ring, they go to Mordor, they throw the, the ring into, into, the, into the fire. But the, the story is more related to the characters and the themes and what is being learned. And so the climax of the story is uh, Frodo going away to the Undying Lands because that's kind of like his, his whole arc from the beginning has been taking on this burden and going out into the world and confronting evil, it turns out that you're not, you can't confront evil and just be totally fine afterwards. So accepting that and knowing what he needs to do in order to, you know, make things better in order to like get on with his life, aka or slash death, he 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 accepts death. He accepts the uh, the trauma of what happened to him and 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 goes for it. 
Hmm. And it's a little s- morbid. Sam, on the other hand, is like king of the Shire. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. hey, Rosie, what, how do you like me now? <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I love that he gets to marry Rosie and like gets the whole because because nice. he does represent this sort of pureness, purity that that uh, wasn't uh, messed up by the ring. You know, like he went through this hard experience, but he wasn't like scarred by it in the same way that Frodo he doesn't was. have a fragment of a blade <laughs> Minas Murugal blade yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I imagine the casting agent who's like okay Rosie okay uh, we need someone who's hot but like hobbit hot. <laughs> <laughs> this is a particular yeah. look because she's not like hot hot what's the casting she's costume? cute yeah. how dare you she's cute how dare you <laughs> okay that's the ending but let's go back to the three-quarter mark where I find the movie drags oh. after they have the I think it's after the Rohirrim come Basically, the first big war ends, hmm. and then I, I think this is maybe like around Shelob time or something like that. But there's like a big Shelob time. There's like a big sag where it's like, okay, take a big deep breath out, and then a big deep breath in for what's going to happen next. But in between hmm. there, I'm just like, Mwah. really? I mean, again, I'm watching extended again. Yeah, there's probably more scenes there that that aren't there. But it's so messed up to be watching a movie for an hour and a half and then like click the little like timeline bar and be like, oh, only three and a half hours yeah. left. You're like what? <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. In the theatrical, I I don't think it drags that much. I mean, like, there's that scene where they're talking about what they want to do and they decide to do a diversion. But like, that's really the only scene after the ba- after the the Battle of Pelennor Fields. Um, yeah, they're just like in the throne room and they're talking about what to do. They decide to do the diversion and then they go. So I don't know. You don't you want to just like do some rapid fire nitpicks? Yes. Oh, I have a random. This one is actually like a continuity error. Far Faramir, he says uh, to Gandalf. I saw the hobbits. Like, whoa, you saw the hobbits? Yeah, I saw them not two days ago. Uh, what? Gandalf just did a three-day horseback ride in this movie to get to this city oh, from yeah. from Rohan. Uh-oh. So how the hell? <laughs> Peter Jackson, you suck. You suck, dude. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make any sense. So dumb. Um, no, that's a, that's a straight-up plot hole. I'm not going to defend that. What, do you want me to? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like, what's up with that? Uh What's up with, okay, why is it, I get that they're different, okay, but Sauron gets, like, fireball. He just seems so much more powerful than Gandalf. Gandalf's just <laughs> using a sword and a stick, and, like, one <laughs> at one point he does a spotlight on some people to repel them, but, like, why, why doesn't he get to shoot fireballs that, and stuff? So, like, my whole deal about magic being, like, less about sh- um, beams of light, uh, you know, laser beams and stuff in this one, and more just kind of about, like, wishy-washy, ooh, it's something and you can't see it, and blah, blah, blah. Um, that's really... It's it's undone by the fact that Saruman shoots a fireball out of his staff. Yeah, in the, that's an extended scene, so it's not in the theatrical. So okay, how does Saruman die in the theatrical? Because I th- is, is Gre- he just disappears. Uh, Grima's they don't back. they don't uh, address him. He's just they they go to Isengard and Treebeard's there and they talk and they get the plant and they just find the planter in the water. Yeah, they, they don't just tell. find it there. Yeah, oh, Saruman okay. isn't there. Because an extended they scene. They talk about him and they're like he's locked in the tower or whatever. What's that? Well, he uh, Saruman. Saruman falls off of yeah, Isengard and right. gets impaled on this on this like water <laughs> wheel. I'm like, why does that have spikes? Because yeah. it's like dark, man. But it's Isengard. It's, it's an wa- orc water wheel. <laughs> they put spikes on everything. I guess so. Like, <laughs> no, you're you're right. I like that scene though because I like that Saruman's power is all in his as an orator. It's all spoken. All his right. power. He's always casting spells by speaking. Like mm. in the first one, he's standing on top of Isengard, getting right. the Misty Mountains to avalanches and all that. Cool and it's sweet that he just goes character to character, like just dissing them and, <laughs> and shaking their confidence. Yeah. He's making them despair. He's right. pushing them to despair. Um, Language is powerful. You got to be careful with it. Well, guys, I might have an answer as to why Gandalf 
isn't as powerful. Oh. So I, so I always thought that the uh, when okay, he died he, and came back as white, he like leveled up in rank. But it's not. That's actually not true. The color of the wizards isn't their rank; it's their responsibility. And the right. white wizard is the one that's facing evil. He's the one that's leading the charge, helping men to actually come face to face with evil. Whereas the gray one is the one behind the scenes, kind of doing the personal, oh. personal stuff, kind of uplifting right. people to do that. And that's why what Gandalf's been good at. And so maybe as part of his like becoming the one that's actually doing the head to head, he's not fully prepared well, for that. I, I I think that he did level up because he I think well, he, yes, did, he also gets a ring yeah, thing, but it's yeah, separate but it's from not, the white becoming right. white. It's not related. Yeah. Yeah. Well it's definitely well, related. It's definitely it's related, yeah. but it's not it's presented of, that way because it's like, well you just fought a guy for a long time and then you won and then now you're back yeah. more powerful. It just kind of seems like that. Yeah. No, I, I and I can understand why people would uh, think that uh, wrongly. But um <laughs> no yeah it's it's when you know about the lore and why things are happening, it's not causal. It's not like he's a white wizard, so he's more powerful. It's like he's uh, he's more powerful, and well, also he's, he's a white a wizard, wizard because Saruman has like abdicated his role. Yeah. Basically, why is it when they go to the gate and after they talk to the mouth of Sauron, which by the way, my wife finally looks up from her phone and sees that mouth of Sauron character, and she's just like, ew. <laughs> yeah. that, that guy's awesome it's ugly yeah and it's so sick it's so sick again he's also like Saruman where he he tries to get them to despair and then the king just chops his head off and then gives them like sick speech awesome but why is it when they're with their plan to have the gates open and empty Mordor they they let themselves get totally enveloped by the opposing army instead rather, of making a line like you're out of bottleneck why don't they yeah. just fight them there yeah, I right. mean I get maybe I'm answering my own question they want to empty Mordor but it doesn't make any sense for them to just like Hey guys, just come and surround us. If you really want to empty Mordor, if that's the reason you're, then just back away or yeah, something. Yeah, like be on your horses. But then. if it's really about a battle, then you should just be right up to the bottleneck. It doesn't make I any think sense. that I think. Well, I don't know. I think feel like there's some rationality where if they were too far away from the Black Gate and they're like, "Come on, come out here," <laughs> so, like Sauron might know it's a trap or something. I don't know. But the fact that they're like marching up, maybe he's like, "Oh, they're so desperate. Look at all. This is all that's left. I freaking killed everybody else. Let's just let's like wipe them out. I don't know." Yeah, I don't know. They haven't seen 300. They should go right, 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 <laughs> right, right at the gate. They need yeah. to find a, a, a choke point. Yeah, that's what the gate is. Well, sort of. It's like Thermopylae for them. Yeah, but there, I don't think there were enough of them to hold a, that choke point. Jeez Louise. Well, it's definitely better than just getting surrounded. Can I say, okay, this is kind of like nitpicks and hitpicks. I really, this is more, more of a hit pick. I like that Treebeard calls uh, Gandalf young. He's like, ah, oh, young Master Gandalf. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess he, he's just, he just died, so he's only like... Two months older. Yeah. Right? Well, and Treebird is one of the oldest beings in Middle Earth. Right. I think he's like number two. Yeah, he's super old. And that, but well, I mean, I think Gandalf's probably older than him if you count his like but, yeah, life a, as a yeah. spirit or whatever. Yeah. Anyways, um, also Gandalf really lacks tact sometimes. Like he just w- waltzes up to Denethor and he's like, <laughs> "Bitch, where's your army? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking scrub, you're gonna need help, dude. You yeah. suck." <laughs> and it's like, of course, Denethor is not gonna like it. He did the kind of the same thing with Theoden, where he's like. Listen, man, you got you're you're messed up. Uh, I don't know. He he needs to learn some uh, etiquette. That being said, I love that Gandalf is full of expression. I'm so tired of like the trope of like god characters, or, like super powerful beings being like neutral and like yeah. kind of cold. It's just nice to have like such warmth come out of such a powerful being and and coldness. Like yeah. I love how that Gandalf is like a real. He seems like a real character totally. because he's not just like I'm a wise wizard. I'm yeah. so mysterious. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's like genuinely annoyed by Pippin. Yeah. he's like you're <laughs> such an idiot. <laughs> he yeah. gets pissed off. And then that speech he, he, he gives warmth, about the afterlife. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, yeah, so but the, the White Shores, yeah. Um, uh, Navy, or, no. Did they win an Oscar for sound design? They won, like, 13, 13 Oscars or something? One, yeah. Was sound, was sound design one of them? Because um, 
man, that that scream when uh, Sam and Frodo are at Minas Mor- Morgul and they're going up the stairs, or they're about to go up the up the stairs, and the the Witch King, his fell beast, lets out this <laughs> yeah, he lets out this scream, but it's like. It's the craziest scream we've ever heard, and it just keeps going and going and going. It just like pierces into your body. I was just like, oh, it's so good. Like it's 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 despair inducing, but it's it's so good because it is so effective at doing that. I looked at I looked up too what they what it was what it was. It was like helium escaping from a balloon and like three different animals. Oh man! And like it was a this is like a seven layer. It's so sound. cool, but yeah. it sounds primal. It sounds like a pterodactyl. It's getting yeah. chopped yeah. your head off. Okay, last one just for sake of time because I do have to go. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, We're going to stay without you. Yeah, you guys are going to keep talking <laughs> for a bit. Um, the Orc Navy SEALs. I thought that was kind of funny that they're, <laughs> they have these like landing craft and they're like, okay, we're going, it's like the stealth orcs yeah. that got trained or something. And then it's like, what is that strategy that the Gondorians are like letting them run past first? So they let can a let bunch themselves of them... be surrounded? Yeah. I guess no, so. Yeah, that made sense to me. Did it? Yeah. Because then they can like. Although they really should attack them when they're in the boat still. Yeah, just yeah. You can't get out of the fire arrow. She's like, wait, 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 let them land, and then we'll let a them D-day. go past us a bunch. I don't know. It just seemed weird from a stretch. I like that part, though, when they're like, it, it's just a cool scene when they're yeah. being quiet and hiding with their swords and they're yeah. not being seen. It, the tension is there, and that's why they did it, and that's good. Okay, I got to go. So sorry. Please continue to talk about me after I go. Uh, David, you have something to say? Well, I was going to do a scientific trilogy ranking altogether, but now Riley's opinion is now void. Yeah, he's not a scientific dude. What do you anyway. mean? So we're going to go through, we're going to do kind of like which one has the best from each movie, and then the one that has the most is going to be the official scientific best movie of the series. Okay, I, you need to keep talking because I barely understand. This so is good because it'll ruin my 10 out of 10, so uh, that's a good point for me to leave. <laughs> See you later. Okay. Which of which of the series has the best saying the title moment? Oh, like the the like name drop of the, the name movie? drop of the movie because there's like this is, shall be the fellowship, the of, fellowship the of two the towers. Ring. I think it's Saruman being like, oh, in the two towers, there's this thing. What is it in this one? Uh, it's Gandalf being like, authority is not given to you to de- de- deny the return of the king. Hmm. The first one is the most explicit, where it's just like yeah. the title of the movie. Yeah, I, I agree. The I other ones so. are like in you know they're in context. Yep, gonna have to give it to the first one. Yeah, I agree. Okay, which one has the best battle? Oh boy, Helm's Deep. I mean, a lot of the things that are cool in the third one you've kind of already seen. Like in Helm's Deep, when you see those awesome ladders. Yeah, and they have a battering ram there too. Um, in Return of the King, you've kind of seen that already. You've seen trolls already, although these ones just have armor and stuff, which is cool. One thing that's sick is the catapults in Minas Tirith. Yeah. The way they have those counterweights that like yeah. that kind of sag down. Yeah. Those are sweet, they look man. Very sweet. Very, very menacing. And I like all the um, debris that just squashes people, like big chunks of marble are falling down. Yeah. Like, oh, it's rough. But I don't know. Is Helm's Deep the best battle of I the whole so. series? I think I, I'll give it to Two Towers. Okay, which which movie has the most likable character? Like, that character at their most likable. Oh, like the best version of that yeah. character? Because I, I would say it's Sam in Return, where you're just like, he's perfect, and I love him, and I would do anything for him. <laughs> true, 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 true. Uh, I like I like Strider when he's Strider. That's pretty cool. That's pretty sick, too, actually. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, you got to give it to Sam. Come on, travesty. Not yeah, too. most despicable character. Got to be Saruman. You think Saruman? I think it's Denethor. Saruman, ah. it's like he's corrupted by this power, but he's not like vile. He's just evil. Whereas Denethor, I'm like, I just want to punch him in the stomach. Ah, uh, maybe because he's more human. You're just like, get out. Yeah, of Yeah, I here. can relate. I'll beat you up. But I don't know who's worse. Who's worse? 
Saruman is is corrupted. He's the powerful person that that didn't stand, so that like morally he's worse. Yeah. Because like you're supposed to be on our side, and we're all supposed to band together against this evil. But instead, you you did the opposite of what uh, the, the Rohirrim does. You did the opposite of what Theoden does, where it's like we know we're gonna die, we're gonna go in because it's the right thing. Instead, he's a coward. Yeah. And he tries to ally himself with evil, so he's the worst. He's the worst. I agree. And then, what is the best memeable moment of the series? They're taking the hobbits to Isengard. Yeah, that's pretty top. I was gonna say the other one is the at the Shire when Fro- Frodo's just like, "All right, keep your secrets." I, <laughs> I think you used that in a chat with me the other really? day. <laughs> I There's love a, that one. That's just not even on my radar. Man. Really, oh, that's a pretty big meme. I I don't know why that one just fucking kills me. Okay, so what one? Is that, is that uh, it? I think taking the hybrid to Isengard Fellowship. Most no. okay, most frightening moment. This is so easy. Bilbo in the Fellowship. That's by far the scariest. Oh, moment. for as far as like a jump scare. Yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. the jump scare of the trilogy for sure. Yeah, that's it. That's that's it. And the winner is the entire Lord of the Rings saga. The winner is us, the it's, audience. We just got to watch it. Uh, cool. Well, I'm pretty good. I only had one other little nitpick I wanted to say. It bugs it. me every time. Why does Sam ho- and Frodo, I think, hold the light of Elendil? Like when they're against the spider, yeah. why are they holding it like that? That's upside down. It clearly looks like it's a handle, and you should have the bulb on top of your hand. <laughs> why are you holding the bulb and then the stick sticks out? It's stupid. Yeah, it's you're not, covering most of it. That is not ergonomic. No, yeah, you're. Although I think it looks like it's a liquid, maybe. Yeah, I thought it was like a vial kind of thing. So no matter how you hold it, you're going to be covering a lot. Yeah, of maybe it's not emission. sealed very well. Or maybe if it was all in that tube part, your hand would just completely block it. Yeah, they need someone to But it looks that. stupid. I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. This movie sucks. <laughs> Fucking garbage. Redacting my nine. No, all I, right. I think this is the best movie trilogy. I, 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 I made a list of like 50 movie trilogies. There's 50 trilogies, dude? There's some that are like kind of unofficial, like uh, the Tarantino Revisionist History Trilogy. Counts, oh, I yeah, counts, yeah, yeah. That's like, like a that. fan trilogy. But um, as far as like Star Wars... And Lord of the Rings. There was like and 35. Because, yeah, like I have Cars, Blade, Star Wars, Prequel Trilogy, Aliens. Narnia, The Thor, Hobbit. Uh, but the best ones are like Cornetto Trilogy, The Man With No Name Trilogy, Godfather Trilogy, which would be the best one if it wasn't for the third, then Toy Story, and then Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is just consistently awesome all the You're way You're putting through. it ahead of Toy Story, or behind Toy Story, hey? No, ahead, ahead, ahead. Oh, okay. This is not Lord of the Rings, number one. Number one. It's pretty damn good. Hopefully there'll be like a Dune trilogy or something. That would be sick. Actually, I, two, right? I only want two. I think I only want two. We'll see. They might be able to pull it off. And like, sometimes they do a really good job extending books into many movies. And sometimes oh, there's lots of books. There's more than. But they're like s- kind of like sequel books. Okay, okay. This is a totally Dune challenge. Right? This, this is your chance. Tell me about Dune. <laughs> the the first book is going to be made into two movies, but I think there's four books in that in that first like boosh okay. written by the original author yep. uh, then he died and his son went into his attic and found a bunch of material that oh, he had okay. written but he turned his son turned that, those into books and those are prequels are those considered less good or are they like almost on the same level uh, I, th- I think they're a little a less little good. less good but, but they're, they're still okay. good okay. huh I mean, so, right. I can't wait Movie, there's movies coming soon like Nomadland's coming out like in a couple weeks uh, and there's like a bunch of big movies. I'm, I'm actually really excited for movies in 2021. Yeah, and I bet the audience is too. I want to know, guys, what movies do you want us to cover in 2021? One thing I realized was there was a ton of originals on streaming services that we didn't cover in 2020. We just did old movies. So let us know at Carpal Critics on Twitter, or you can email us hello at hello. carpalcritics.ca because we're Canadian. Uh, for email, let us know what you want us to cover in 2021 for new movies. We got we got lots of recommendations for old movies. Let's let's hear about the new yeah. ones. What are people excited about? 
Kingsman. That's it. That's it. New Kingsman. That's New Kingsman. And next week we're again we're gonna do Silence of the Lambs with Sarah. Yeah. Join us then. And have a nice Chianti. Bye bye. <laughs> Hello, Clarice. <laughs>